Lord every day. Just think how many sick people there are in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex that needs to hear what we're going to say today. Just think how many sick people there are all over that need to know what's written in this book. And they're just like I was most of my life. They didn't have a clue what was written. And I was in church every time the door was open too. But I didn't know the word. And that was my problem. So anyway, welcome to the Healing School on November the 12th, 2005. I think that's what today is, isn't it? November the 12th? November the 12th, the second Saturday. Here we are in Dallas at the Dallas Healing School. We have this healing school once a month right here at this location. I've been doing the healing school here in the Dallas Fourth Metroplex, somewhere in the Metroplex. Now then, I guess well over seven years. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I've been doing two a month now for about two years, I guess. Pretty close to two years. We started, uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, about two years ago when we got my son's building built out there. And Justin, we started doing one out there too on uh, the fourth Saturday of the month. And so, <clears throat> it just uh, amazes me. The more I study the book, the more I understand what is written in this book. So, Today we're going to teach you, those of you that came, some of you came from a pretty good little distance away, but uh, we're going to, oh by the way, yeah, those of you that have cell phones, put them on silent or something, uh, you forget like I did, I just now took mine up there and put it on silent because they always uh, go off at the uh, most inopportune time. But anyway, let's come to the Father and we'll start the healing school on November the 12th, 2005, here at Dallas. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we praise you and thank you for the privilege to come and study your word together. We thank you, Lord, that you have provided healing for everybody. Lord, thank you for this word. I praise you for what you'll do today. I praise you for the written word of God that we of all people in all times have been so blessed to have these books available to every one of us. Lord, I want you to know how grateful I am that I have the privilege to have all these wonderful Bibles, that I can study them and read them and, and heed them. And Lord, what a privilege, a privilege that so few people in history has ever had. That all the people have access to a beautiful written word of the living God. Thank you, Father, for it. As we read it today, I ask you to bless it. I ask you to reveal it to us so that we will hear your words and understand them and do them. So that you will be able to bless us like you promised in your word. And I thank you and praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> how many of you, hey, good afternoon, brother, come in, y'all, come on in, praise the Lord. Just come right on in, make yourself at home, praise the King. Wherever you want to sit, just come right on. You know, if you want to walk right up here, sir, come right ahead, no problem. There's no problem. Just come right on in, make yourself comfortable. Now then, I want to ask you a question. To start off with, how many of you would like to be prosperous and successful in life? That's everybody. Praise the Lord. 
Well, I'm going to tell you that we don't do it right. I'm going to tell you that whenever we start out in life, all of us, our goals, especially when we're young, especially young men, you know, young men, so many young men's dream is to be a millionaire by the time they're 30 and have a nice convertible and be able to ride around and do anything they want to do. That's a lot of young men's dream. Very few of them ever get there because they do it the wrong way. Now, I'm going to read to you a scripture from the Word of God right near the beginning of the Bible in the book of Joshua. And I want to show you what God says we must do if we want to be prosperous and successful. Now, of course, we send our children to school. You know, we try to make sure they start in first grade, kindergarten, whatever. They go through school, and we even try our best to send them to college and and not just as many degrees as we can get them, as many as we can afford, because we want them to be well-educated so they can be prosperous and successful. And all those things are good, but the Word of God doesn't say anything about that. It says something else. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, This book of the law, now this is the book of the law right here that we're holding in our hand, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Everybody wants to be prosperous and successful, but almost nobody is willing to do it God's way. He says, if you want to be prosperous and successful, you have to know all of this book. Meditate on it. Now then, Today I'm going to ask you another question. And I want you to be honest and truthful with me. How many of you in here today know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? You know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Okay, I guess that's everyone. Praise the Lord. Now let me ask you another question. Really going to step on your toes, some of you right here. How many of you have read the Bible entire through from Genesis to Revelation at least one time? Okay, there's a lot of you didn't hold up your hand. Well, there was a time in my life when I couldn't have held up my hand either there. But now then, I have read most of this Bible many, many, many times. And the more I read it, the more wonderful it becomes and the more awesome Serving God becomes, and the closer I become to doing what the Lord tells me to do, the greater the anointing or the greater the power God allows me to walk in. Now, isn't that amazing? You know, I mean, I have had multitudes of people, and some of you that will listen to some of my teaching, some people come and say, boy, I want to be just like you. I want to do what you do. Well, let me tell you, it's a humbling thing to walk where I've had the privilege to walk with God. I mean, it is so humbling to think that God would use me, a piece of flesh, to do what I've seen Him do. The mighty miracles. I mean, there's times, literally, I'm going to tell you, there's times in my life I felt like an apostle. You know, when I read what the apostles did, I've done those things. 
And it's humbling to think about God can take a piece of flesh and allow you to touch somebody and do these mighty miracles that only he could do. I mean, I'm going to be the first to tell you, I cannot pray a prayer of faith for someone like myself and me to be the healer. Because the other day, and some of you may have heard this on a tape, but only a few weeks ago, there was a doctor from Salt Lake City, Utah, called me at 10 o'clock at night. And on Tuesday, the week before, he had fell out of a tree and broken his back. Now, he was only 35 feet up. They went back out there and measured where he was, where the limb broke, and he was only 35 feet up. Now, that's pretty high, isn't it, brother? Three and a half stories he was up in that big giant tree. Well, when the limbs broke, he fell all the way to the ground and broke his back. Well, they care-flighted him out of the mountains and took him to the hospital and done a CT scan on him, and he's got a broken back. I mean, he's lucky he was alive, you know, to fall 35 feet and not kill him. I mean, many people could have been killed, but he wasn't killed, but his back was broken. Well, he refused to have surgery or anything else, or so he just wanted to go home. And he went home, and this guy had been listening to some of our teachings. And on Sunday, he finally called. And he wanted me and my wife, Cheryl, to fly out there Monday morning And pray for him. He was willing to pay round-trip airplane tickets for two of us to fly to Salt Lake City, Utah, and back. Well, I was talking to him third person. Uh, He he had actually called somebody else here he knew, and they called my wife, and she's talking to me. And so it's kind of around the world. I'm talking to her. She's talking to them. They're talking to him. You know, and so after he said he was going to make the reservations for us to fly out there, I finally told him, I said, well, that's okay, we'll come. But I said, before uh, we come out there, I said, would you please tell him to call me tonight sometime? I'd like to talk to him personally before I come out there tomorrow. So at 10 o'clock Sunday night, my phone rang. And answered, and it was Dr. Gary from Salt Lake City. And he told me what had happened. And that he was laying at home in excruciating pain. I said, well, sir, Jesus made me a promise in Mark eleven twenty three. He said, whatever I say with my mouth, if I can believe it with my heart, I can have it. Now, that's a pretty awesome statement, isn't it? But the king of the universe made that statement. I didn't make that statement. I didn't write the book. He wrote the book. And I know he's God and I know he knows my heart. And so, since he said that, I told Dr. Gary Young, I'll pray for you, and I'm going to guarantee you Jesus is going to heal you. So, I prayed the prayer of faith for him over the telephone at 10 o'clock on Sunday night, and I guaranteed him he'd get a supernatural healing from the king. See, the king says, you must believe my word with no doubt in your heart. Well, it's kind of what you call putting you to the test To find out, do you believe it? Can you only imagine what the enemy was putting in my heart and my mind when I made those kind of statements? He said, you fool, you can't do that. You don't know what God's going to do. I mean, you're stepping out, you're making all these statements. You don't know what God's going to do. God's sovereign. He'll do whatever He wants to do. No, God will do exactly what the Word says He will do. He has written His Word to tell us who He is and what makes Him 
uh, what, 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 how he works. And so by making that statement, and then I hung up the phone, and Cheryl, my wife here, she looked over at me in a minute. We drove down the road. She said, well, what do you think? I said, he'll be healed before we get there. That was the statement I made to her. Now, see, that requires faith. That requires trusting the written word of the living God. I don't know Dr. Young. I mean, you know, i never seen him before. I never talked to this man before in my life. Well, we get home and he's getting the car unloaded because it was about 10, 15 by this time. And my phone, my cell phone rang and I looked at the number and I didn't recognize it. And so I answered it and he said, Thurman, this is Gary. He said, you just prayed for me a few minutes ago. He said, when you said, thank you, Lord, he said, my pain left. He said, I started moving. I, I got up and moved over to the edge of the bed, no pain. He said, I put my feet on the floor. I stood up in no pain. He said, I, I bent over in no pain. He said, I ran up the stairs and down one time in no pain. I reached up and picked up my 17-month-old son and carried him up the stairs and back. He said, I am completely healed already. Is God an awesome God? He's an awesome God. Well, we go ahead and the next day, Cheryl and I get on an airplane and go out there. He said, I want you to come anyway. Come on. So I've already bought you tickets. So we fly out there, Salt Lake City. He picks us up personally himself in his car and takes us to their home. And we have the privilege of teaching his family and some of the people that work for him the Word of God that afternoon, all afternoon, and way up into the night that night. And guess what? They're Mormons. Isn't that amazing? They are even Mormons. But I told them, I said, the Jesus that you all talk about, that say that Jesus and Lucifer were brothers, I said, my Jesus, that's not my Jesus. I said, my Jesus is the one that healed you. He's the one who made Lucifer. He was never his brother. You know? I said, and the God I serve, that you all say you serve, that's the Father, you say was a man one time and he finally became good enough and then he became God the Father. I said, the Father God that I serve has always been God the Father, and He will always be God the Father, and He's always been a spirit, and He's never been a human being. But, I mean, i got a captive audience. Some of them don't like what I'm saying, but they look at this man that they all know. He's miraculously healed, and they got a, they got a problem down. They're between a rock and a hard place. This old boy that says he knows the real Jesus, that prayed a prayer of faith over the telephone, and here's their loved one, their husband, their boss, uh, whatever he is, their friend, he's healed. And they know for a week he'd been down in a hospital or been down at home with a broken back. Now he's healed. That kind of puts you between a rock and a hard place, doesn't it? So, at least when you go somewhere, you don't go telling people just blindly what the Word of God says. When you go in a demonstration of the Spirit's power, you can't argue with the Spirit's power. Now then, who could have possibly have healed that man a thousand miles away over the telephone? Only Jesus. Only the King of kings. Only the Lord of lords. Only the God of gods. Now then, how did I learn how to do those things? Meditating on the Word of God. Day and night for years and years and years. But guess what? Since God's revealed all these things to me, you can listen to these CDs and DVDs and videos and cassettes and you can learn it a whole lot faster than I did. It took me years and years and years to dig all this stuff out. And did you know after studying the Word of God for probably 22 to 23 years, 
I finally made my first cassette tape. My first one. Now then, in the last three years, in fact, a year ago, I didn't have a DVD or a CD. And look what I got back there now. We do ten teachings a month. That's 120 a year. And you look what's back there. And I will guarantee you that what's in that library right back there, if you will get it and listen to it and do what it says, it will change your life forever. You won't never be the same, will you, brother? (laughs) This couple here is from Abilene. I believe that's where you said they were from, Abilene. And he said they started listening to our stuff, and he said it has changed their life. Well, all I'm doing is teaching the Word. The same book that everybody else is teaching out of. It's just God's given me a little bit different way of making it real to you. But how did he say we'll be prosperous and successful? What did the Word say? Meditate on the Word of God. How often? Day and night. Is that demanding? Yes, very. So, if you want to walk in divine health, and how many would like to walk in divine health? Hey, that's the rest of us. Okay, praise God. Well, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4, and I want to show you what the Word says about this. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. I guess uh, I, I'm going to start at a new place. I've never started here, but I'm going to start at verse 14 in Proverbs 4. And I want you to see some things when he's talking about people that do not serve him. In verse 14 in Proverbs 4, he says, Enter not into the path of the wicked. Now, what do you think of when you think of somebody that's wicked? Do you think of a Christian? Do you think of a churchgoer? Normally you don't. But you know how many wicked churchgoers there are? A bunch. A bunch. You don't see it like that, but many people that go to church are wicked. I mean, they are wicked. I mean, you just don't realize how wicked people are that go to church. But it's the enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Now then, we think about evil as somebody down here murdering, killing, stealing. But Jesus said, if you have a heart of unbelief, you're evil. An evil heart of unbelief. Now, how many people in the church today are full of unbelief? Almost the whole church. So guess how God sees us? As a bunch of evil, wicked people. It's amazing how we are. He said, Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness, and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. Now the way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, verse 20, my daughter, my children, attend to my words. Attend to these words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. 
Let them not depart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. The words. For these words that you are to keep in your heart, in the midst of your heart, and in your, before your eyes, verse 22, for these words are life unto those that find them. And health to all your flesh. Now, what is it that is going to give you a good life and a good healthy life? God's Word. That's absolutely right. So, you know what amazes me? Just this week, I was at a little meeting and there were several people there. And when they found out I was a pastor, and especially when they found out that I have the privilege of walking in some of the gifts of healing and see my prayers answered, people were brought to me that were sick, you know, at least four different ones. And, of course, one of the young ladies that brought to me, I asked her, did she have all of her sins repented of? And she said, yes. And I said, well... Then if you have your sins repented up, you're a Christian, you know God, and you, and you go to church. She said, yes. I said, okay, good. I said, then since God says in His Word in Jeremiah one twelve, He said, I watch over my Word to perform my Word. I said, so give me your favorite healing verse that we can stand on so you can get healed when I pray for you. Now then let me ask you a question. I'll just put it right where she was. Think, what is your favorite healing verse? And where is it found? What book is it in? What chapter is it in? What verse is it in? Some of you are going to be just like her. I don't know one. That was her answer. I don't know one. So, if you don't know one, and you have no word to stand on, y'all come on in. Come on in. Praise the Lord. Yeah, y'all just come on in. Glory to God. Good to have y'all today, Frank. Praise the Lord. Come in and make yourself at home. Yeah, praise the Lord. But if you don't have a verse to stand on, not even one out of the hundreds that are in here, what do you think your chances are of being healed? Almost zero. What did God say in Jeremiah 1.12? He does what? He watches over His Word to perform it. I am ready to perform my Word. Now, then, if God is ready to perform His Word, then don't you think it would be a good idea for us to have some of it hidden in our heart? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Frank and Terry up here, lovely couple. You know, the reason there's amening already when I said that is because I don't know, you know, very many people here today. Many of you are first time, some of many of you are, but I do know them have for a long time. But they have one of the most awesome testimonies of healing in their family. I mean, their children and everything. And it's, it's, it's easy for them to say, praise the Lord. Amen. You know, just a few years ago, their children were all sick. Their marriage was on the rocks and they were ready to divorce. And Terry had had three miscarriages in her life. Uh, three little children lost their life. She had no idea why. And when she came here, I told her. And she first thought I was crazy. I think she wanted to punch me out. <laughs> when I first told her. But she finally believed me. And Frank believed. And 
whenever she got, they got their sins repented of and started walking with God and doing what he says. God restored their marriage and they're madly in love with each other now, two happily married people, and they got three healthy children. And of course, the oldest boy, you know, was the one that was, he was going to literally not be able to walk at the rate he was going. It wasn't going to be long. He'd already had surgery on one leg, and then the other leg was beyond uh, the ability to do surgery, so he probably would not be able to walk, if, if I understood that right. That's the way it was, Frank. He, he was, he was uh, it was an incurable thing, right, according to the doctors. And it was getting worse all the time. But after repenting and standing on God's Word, I believe the boy's playing football or something now, isn't he? <laughs> not, not, uh, he's a, he, played, he plays, but not like Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's a big, healthy boy now. Yeah, now he's running and playing and doing everything he wants to, and everybody in the family is happy now. You know, so it's easy to say, praise the Lord. You know, now, another one of the things you need to know that healing, healing is a process for a lot of people. You know, healing, the, God does things two ways when it comes to healing your body. Number one, He can do a miracle. Now, when He does a miracle, and for Dr. Gary Young out there in Salt Lake, God did a miracle for him a few weeks ago. I mean, when a man's laying there with a broken back, and it's instantly healed, man, that's a miracle. I mean, there's no, no denying that. God moved. One prayer, one thank you, Lord, and the man's instantly healed. And, and just, I mean, last time I heard from him, uh, he was uh, down in Ecuador writing a curriculum for some university down there now. You know, so God's got plans for this guy. I don't know what all he's going to use him for, but laying at home with a broken back, he certainly couldn't have been in Ecuador writing a curriculum for a university. But he, that's what he's doing. And he said he was going to be down there about eight months. So I guess he's been down there, what, a month or two now? Maybe, and so he's got another six or seven months to go. So he's a very busy businessman. So uh, I don't know what God's going to do with him, but I know he done that miracle for him for a reason. You know, he's got a purpose there for this man's life. And, of course, what humbles me is i got to pray the prayer of faith for him and see God instantly heal him. And that's what's so wonderful When we get to pray for someone like that and see someone receive that kind of a miracle, I mean, think, today there's lots of people say, well, I wish God would just give us a sign. If God would just give me a sign, then I'd believe He's real. Hey, you're not looking very hard. He's got got signs everywhere. You know, if if you want to know about the signs, I think about the other day somewhere around the Metroplex, I don't know where I'll see these signs every once in a while. But there's a great big, one of them great big billboards up there, and it says, What do you not understand about you shall not commit adultery? God. <laughs> I thought that come right out of the Word of God. You know, he said that. But I thought, hmm, I guess we don't understand that because there sure is a lot of people committing adultery today. I mean, a multitude of them. And they don't realize what it does, the consequences it brings. But the Lord says right here, He says, If we will attend to His words, and will let them not depart from our eyes, and we will keep them in the midst of our heart, these words of His are going to be life to those of us that find them, and health to all of our flesh. Now then, if you don't find these words, it will make you sick and afflict you. And another thing Right here, I, I want you to really, this is something, the sight of God, 
that I think very few of us see or understand. But this people don't see what happens when we don't put God first. He's very clear in His Word. He says, you are to put me first. Now then, what does it mean? I guess I could ask you this question, but I won't ask you to hold up your hand. How many of you think that you put God first in everything you do every day of your life? Probably none of us. Probably nobody in here does that. Some of us are a lot closer than others. Some of us, the very first thing when we wake up in the morning, the first thing is on our mind is, what have I got to do today? Or, oh, woe is me. I wonder what the temperature is. Is it going to be cold or hot? Is it going to be raining or sunshine? Oh, woe is me. One day you wake up, oh gosh, it's clear out there and it's so hot. Next day you wake up and it's cloudy and it's raining. And you, oh gosh, it's cloudy and raining today. Well, you're never happy with nothing. God can't please you. Nothing, nothing He does pleases you. So, He doesn't like grumbling and complaining. And some of the things I've learned, that grumbling and complaining will bring sickness and disease to your body. Now then... I want to show you a verse. I'm going to go over to Philippians. And I want to show you something there. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Philippians 2, 14. And I want you to think about this now. Now, when the Lord makes these statements in His Word, most of us, most of us do not believe He really means what He says. Most of us think He's just talking. Most of us do not. And I was like this. I didn't know that if God said it. He meant it. And it would be a consequence if I didn't do what he said. I just, didn't, I just did not see this part of God. But how many of you as a parent, if you tell your children, have the car in by 10 o'clock tonight or tomorrow night, you don't get to use it. And so he's 16 or she's 16. And they're out having so much fun at 10 o'clock, they forget where they are. And then all of a sudden, they're down here at the Dairy Queen or whatever with some of their friends, and they're talking and laughing and having a good time. One of them says, oh, by the way, you know, look, it's only 11 o'clock. Let's go do something. Says, ah, 11 o'clock? I'm supposed to have been home at 10. Oh, my goodness gracious. Go sneaking back home. Pull into the front yard as quiet as possible. I mean, go in. I mean, hoping Daddy doesn't hear But daddy heard. He was awake. He knew. And then you got in and you said, oh, by the way, honey, what time did you get home last night? Oh, daddy, it was just a couple of minutes after 10. I was just a little bit late, but I was not very late. I was pretty close. Now then you got two sins. You lied. It was 1130 when you got home. You know, so tomorrow night you say, dad, can I have the car again? And he says, no. No, no, you can't have it. I told you to be home at 10 last night. You didn't get home till 11.30, and then you lied to me. You told me just a few minutes after 10. So you, you lied to me. You don't get to use the car. There was a consequence to your sin, wasn't there? We all know that. If Daddy tells us to do something, and we don't do it, there's a consequence of some kind. Well, look at this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. The Lord says, Do all things... How many things? Okay. 
do all things without murmuring and disputing or complaining. So what if you go through life grumbling and complaining? Have you ever thought about that would bring a demon to you? An evil spirit of torment that would come to you to cause sickness and disease in your body? Most people never think about that. But did God say do everything without grumbling and complaining? So how many of us do that? Nobody held up their hand on that either. <laughs> because we don't want to lie, do we? <laughs> Lying is a sin and it will bring a demon to you. you know, so you don't want to go there either. He told us to be truthful in all things. Did He did say put on the full armor of God. Gird your loins about with truth. So if you gird your loins about with truth, and he said all of these things that you put on will quench the fiery dart of the evil one. Here's the devil sitting here with his bow drawn just waiting for you to lower your shield or to get a crack in your armament so he can shoot an arrow right in there. So when you tell a little lie, bam, you get a little crack in your armor. And he says, oh, there's a little crack right there. And he shoots an arrow in there. Oh, and you get a pain in your leg all of a sudden. How many of you believe that fiery darts of the devil are literal? They really are. They really are. I mean, he shoots those things at us. Now, he can't do that until we sin. And this is what makes us sick. This is what makes people sick. In fact, I had a young lady sitting right back here, just about in this area right here one night at Bible study. And we were, I was talking of teaching in Philippians that night. And when I came to Philippians 2, when she came in that night, she came in like this. I said, I said, something wrong with you? Oh, yeah, she said, I've had a crick in my neck for the last two weeks. I can't stand it. It hurts so bad. So she come over and sat down. That's all I talked to her. And uh, she said, before I leave tonight, i got to have you pray for me. I said, okay. So that night I'm teaching on this. And I didn't have a clue. All I knew is she said she had a crick in her neck. And I knew she was all drawn over. When I said, do all things without grumbling or disputing, murmuring and complaining, she thought, oh, my goodness. Two weeks ago, some little something happened, and I started grumbling and complaining. So things started getting worse. So I grumbled and complained more. And then the next week, they really started getting bad, so I'm really grumbling and complaining about everything. And I've got this crick in my neck, and it gets worse and worse and worse. And she said, Lord, is it possible that what he's saying is true and I've got this crick because of my grumbling implant. She said, Lord, I am so sorry. I will never grumble or complain again. Bam. And her neck was completely healed just like that. Nobody you've got to pray for. So at the end of Bible study, I said, is there any last question? She jumped up and said, Mr. Scrivener, i got to give this testimony or I'm going to bust right now. And so she told us what had happened. But boy, I've seen her several times. She's been here several times since then. And I say, by the way, young lady, have you grumbled and complained any lately? She said, no, absolutely not about nothing. <laughs> Did you know when you learn there's a consequence to everything God told you not to do, you stop doing some of it. You know, if you thought that there was a, a consequence of sin, of grumbling and complaining, that it was going to bring not only a demon that would put a crick in your neck, but who knows, a pain in your arm, your shoulder, or anything else, or your leg, or your back, if you thought that could or even was a possibility, every time you thought about grumbling and complaining, you wouldn't do it. 
you'd do something else. Because how many of you like to have pain? Oh, no takers on that either. Huh? There's only one thing I hate worse than pain. You know what it is? That's it, right? More pain. That's exactly right. More pain. I don't like it. Nobody does. But it's a consequence of sin. It's a consequence of sin. Now, there's so many things that will bring sickness and disease to us. This book is full of them. I mean, it's absolutely full of things that we read that we don't realize. But it's amazing what's in this book. Well, when people sin and they open the door to the devil in so many ways and whatever it is, God made a set of rules. He told us what to do. He told us what not to do. I mean, many times under the Old Covenant, he would say, If you do this, I will curse you with this curse. If you do this, I will curse you with this curse. In fact, one of the sins today that, I mean, is so obvious and so blatant that we don't even consider it a sin, I guess, almost today, especially in the secular world, they don't. And in the church, most people don't consider it a sin either. And that is the sin of living together outside of wedlock. In other words, adultery, fornication. I mean, the world just lives in it. But about a third of the church is living in it too. And they don't understand the consequences that brings to you. And the demons it brings into your flesh. But these things will literally come to you and start shortening your life and kill you. I mean, they'll cause every kind of catastrophe imaginable to happen in your life. And it's just, it's just a fact. It's going to happen. But under the old covenant, if a man and a woman had sex out of wedlock, the penalty in every case was stoning until dead for both of them. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Under the law, if you had a son that was rebellious and you tried to discipline him and make him behave and he would not obey you and honor you as parents... The law says you were to go to the elders of the city and tell them your son is disobedient and the elders of the city are to stone your son until dead. Just because he would not obey his parents. And this, the Bible says, will rid evil from among you. I mean, that's what the Word of God says now. You know? So, isn't it amazing? You know, what we don't believe today. So we sin in so many ways today, and we open so many doors, and then by opening these doors, these devils come in to destroy us. And in the church today, we don't have a clue. We really don't. But the Word of God clearly says that once we become a Christian, and we become just as if we had never sinned, and Jesus washed us and cleansed us by the blood of Jesus, then He says you are to go and sin no more. You're not to have any sin in your life after you become a born-again Christian. No sin. Now, is that pretty hard to do? Yes, it's pretty hard to do. The devil makes it almost impossible. Most people are just like I was. They don't know that that's even possible, so you don't realize how many times you sin. In fact, one way that the majority of the church sins every day is the Lord says, When you take your food, you're always to take your food by blessing it in the name of the Lord with thanksgiving. How many people do you know that sat down and eat that never blessed their food? Lots of people. Lots of people. Did you know that's a sin? 
Now, God can't do anything with that food until you speak over it because he's a faith God. Now, if you bless it, if you bless your drink, you bless your salad, you bless your food that comes, you bless the refills on your tea or water or whatever, then you've blessed everything you put in your body today and you've done everything the way the Lord says. You've got to put him first. But if you don't put him first, then what you do is you leave. Now, as long as you're walking with him and beside him and in him every day of your life, putting him first, then no evil can befall you as long as you're making God first. In other words, it's kind of like a man and a woman, like my wife here, Cheryl. If she walks with me, goes with me, i got my arm around her, protecting her, keeping her she feels fairly safe, as safe as she can be. You know? But if she goes out there, like for instance, I'll give you a little example, happened had, right after we got married. We hadn't been married very long. When she's coming home one night, and she had been out working with her equipment and everything, getting it ready to go to California, because her and her daughter were going to go out there singing. And so they're loading the equipment, and it's the wee hours of the morning, and I'd been home studying the Word of God, getting ready for Sunday. And I went to bed about 1 o'clock or something like this, and she still wasn't home. I was laying there in the bed, just sound asleep as I could be, and all of a sudden I heard this word, Thurman. And so I, I turned, I was laying on my back, and I turned to the right and looked, and I said, Yes, Lord. I knew that was the Lord when he said Thurman. And right before my very eyes, I saw Cheryl driving down the road on 26 in her car. I saw her pull into a car wash. I saw her get out, take the one, and start to wash the car and a man from each end of the island come running around to attack her. And just as they got nearly to her, the vision or the dream or whatever it was went away. Wow. I mean, you talk about being wide awake. I am wide awake. And I reached over and pushed my telephone, and it said 1.54 a.m. I reached up and hit number seven. That's her number. And it rang. And she said, hi, honey. Are you still awake? I said, well, I wasn't. But I am now. I said, where are you? She said, I'm on 26. I'm fixing to pull in and fill my car with gas. And then I'm going to pull on down to that car wash. And I'm going to wash my car before I come home. I said, not tonight, you're not. She said, what do you mean? I said, I just had a vision from the Lord. And two men attacked you in that car wash. She said, I'm not even stopping for gas. She said, I'll be right home. Well, if you've got your priest. Now, see here, ladies. This is something you need to realize. Your husband is supposed to be walking in obedience to God's Word, and he's your priest. And when he prays for you, things are supposed to happen. Because he's supposed to be walking in obedience to the Lord. And God don't hold you accountable. He holds you accountable to go to your priest. When you go to your priest, say, Honey, we got this problem. We need to pray. He says, No problem. We're walking in obedience with the Word. Or if something's fixing to happen to you, the Lord revealed to him, he, gets, he calls you. See? Isn't that amazing how God works right through the chain of command? Amen. He comes to the husband. Somebody said, well, why, God, my goodness, why didn't he just show Cheryl? I said, because I'm her priest. I'm her husband. He shows me, and I'm supposed to take care of her. And it really works well, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I've I prayed for her so many times. Uh, it's a wonderful what God has done for her since we've been married. He has answered so many prayers so instantaneously. Y'all come on in, praise the Lord. Come in, sit down. We've got all kinds of places here. <clears throat> but the thing about it is, you need to realize if you're the priest of a home, 
you need to be in a place where you can get your prayer answered. And to get your prayer answered for healing, because the enemy will come to you, and he will do everything he can to make all of us sick. He's really good at what he does. And let me, let me give you an example of how easy it is to be made sick. Since this is a healing school, this is something... Did God say in his word not to lie? Did he really say that? You shall not lie? God hates lying? All that's written in the Word, isn't it? You think he must really mean that? I mean, he said it a lot of times, didn't he? Well, you don't realize how easy it is to tell a lie. Well, just a few weeks ago, here I am a healing minister walking in divine health, and all of a sudden I start coming down with a runny nose. I thought, what is this nonsense? So, I know Proverbs 26, 2 says, No curse comes upon me undeserved. So I begin to rebuke the devil. Devil, you can't do this to me. I'm a son of God. But he just, he don't leave. Next morning, I'm blowing my nose. It's not just dripping a little now. It's running pretty good. Now, what is this? I said, Lord, I'm sure glad there's not a healing school for me to teach today. I look bad with a runny nose. So anyway, I continued to rebuke the devil. And I said, Lord, what did I do? I said, you said in your word, in Proverbs 26, 2, no curse or no sickness and disease can come upon me undeserved. What did I do wrong? And so I said, Lord, I don't know what i done wrong. I just repent. I said, Lord, I repent of everything. Known and unknown, I repent. If I've done something, how many times do you know you can sin and don't even know you sin? Absolutely. That's real easy. So I'm repenting of everything. I said, Lord, I want to walk holy before you. I said, I rebuke this devil. I said, now, Lord, I repent of everything. I don't know what I might have done, but I'm repenting. Now, I'm driving this devil out. Well, it took me one more day to drive him out. So I had him four days before I kicked him out. I said, now, Lord, i got to know what I've done wrong. I know somewhere along this process I had to have sinned to do something. Or that devil, that fiery, dark enemy could not have hit me like it did. And the Lord revealed to me. He said the other day, I think it was on Monday. I'm not for sure. But what when it was, but I think it was Monday. Cheryl got up that afternoon and came over to the minister center. It's about three o'clock in the afternoon when she came in where I was, and she says, "Have you eaten today?" I said, "No." Now at nine o'clock that morning, I had a bowl of cereal. If she said, "Have you eaten today?" and I say, "No," what did I just do? I lied. That's right. I mean, so I just told a little bitty lie. But I mean, see, here's what I'm thinking. I'm kind of thinking, you know, I mean, after all, it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. If we're going to eat, what we normally eat about noon or 1 or 2 or something, right? Well, I hadn't eaten. But she didn't say, have you had lunch today? She said, have you eaten today? See, now us guys, we don't hear well sometimes. We only hear part of what our women say. And none of you guys, any of you guys had any problems with me? Oh, I see them grins. Uh, you guys are all just like me. Your wife talks and you don't hear her. Or you only hear part of what she said. Well, she said, have you eaten today? And I said, no. So from that little lie, I opened the door to a fiery dart of the devil. And he gave me a runny nose for four days. Isn't that amazing? Once I had repented, Lord... I don't know what I've done, but I repent. So anytime anything starts coming upon you, you've learned that too very well, haven't you, Terry? Yeah. It's a devil. Oh, 
Yes. It's, it's unfortunate that we still do some stupid things once in a while. Are you trying to say you just like me? We do some crazy things once in a while? Unfortunately, because we're human, aren't we? Well, we're going to get over that nonsense, aren't we? We're working on it. We're, going to, we're not going to let this devil, we're not going to let this strife, we're not going to let sin, we're not going to let this get a hold of us as sons of God. We're not going to open the door to the devil. And when God told us to do something in His Word, we want to walk holy before Him. Now, after I repented... It still took me a full day after I repented to drive that devil out and to get my healing. But see, here's another secret you've got to learn about God. Jesus Christ healed every one of us on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's already a done deal. When he bore our sickness and removed our disease, he did that on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now then, to confirm that to you, I want to go back. I've got three sets of scriptures I want to prove that to you from. And I want you to go to Isaiah, Isaiah 53. And I want you to see this in Isaiah 53. Now, in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, said, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, those words, griefs and sorrows, right there, everywhere else in the King James Bible, the two words that come from the Hebrew, those are pains and sickness. So surely he has borne our pains and carried our sickness. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions, He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It's already done. He did that on a cross 2,000 years ago. Now then, to confirm what's written there in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, surely he's borne our pain and carried our sickness. To confirm that from the New Testament... Let's turn over to Matthew 8. Yep, Jerry knows exactly where we're going. Matthew chapter 8, and we'll read verse 16 and 17. In Matthew 8, 16, it says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils or demons, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that was sick. Now, he, he, what did he do? He did what to the devils? He cast them out. How did he cast them out? With a word. This is a battle of words that we're fighting against these invisible beings called demons. The same demons are still here today. So these demons that are here, Jesus, he cast out these devils or demons with, with his word, cast out the spirits, with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, if Jesus took your infirmities and bare your sicknesses, did he plan for you to be sick? Absolutely not. No, he doesn't, he doesn't want his sons and daughters to be sick. He wants us to be well. He did this for the church so that we, the church, can walk 
in divine health and in divine power. This is what the Lord has provided. Now then, let's turn to 1 Peter 2. And I want you to see this scripture. Now this is the scripture I read in a healing school. I don't have any idea how many times I read this verse. And finally one day the Lord told me, he said, Son, you can't start where you start on that verse. 1 Peter 2. In other words, it's amazing how I'd done this so many times and he let me get by with it so many times. And then finally one day he told me, Son, no, no, you can't read the last half of that verse. Because this is what I used to do when I'd come to 1 Peter 2. I'd go to verse 24 and I'd read the last line. By whose stripes you were healed. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? By his stripes you were healed? Boy, that really sounds good to me. That means I was healed. So that confirmed what everything else said. But he says, son, go back up to verse 20 uh, and, uh, 21 and start reading in verse 21. And then he said that whole thing will make more sense to you. So I went back up to 1 Peter 2.21 and he says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now, you and I are supposed to follow whose steps? Jesus. Okay, now then, this old nonsense, they tell me, brother, you're just an old, unworthy sinner. You may be a sinner saved by grace, but forget it. You're going to sin all day, every day, and ain't nothing you can do about it. That's not scriptural. You know that? But I used to hear that stuff in church. But the Word of God says I'm supposed to follow the example of Christ. Well, goodness gracious, alive. I mean, let's just stop and think. When Jesus came, how much sin did Jesus have? Not any. Well, does he say that here? He said in verse 20, who did no sin. I mean, that confirms what's written in several other places in the Word of God. Jesus had no sin. If Jesus had no sin, how much sin are we, the body of Christ, supposed to have? Now, ma'am, you really mean we're not supposed to have no sin? Hey, here's a woman after my own heart right there. I mean, when she says it's it written in the Word, then me and her can agree. If it is written, that's good enough. I had somebody come to me the other day and said, Boy, I studied the Bible and God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I said, No, no, that's not true. He said, What do you mean? I said, God said it. No matter whether you and me believe it or not, it's true. Is that true? If God said it, it don't make no difference whether you believe it or not. You know, if He said it, it's done. Praise God. You can't... You can't fight against what is written. So he says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, or deceit. Okay, now some of us like me are going to have to have probably at least three good layers of two-inch duct tape around your mouth to not have no guile in your mouth. Well, some of us, if we open our mouth, deceit or guile comes out of our mouth. I mean, you really have to watch what you're doing to meet the criteria of the Word of God. You really have... I mean, your own wife or your own husband can get up in the morning and they might, you might, you might walk in and say, Hi, honey, how are you doing this morning? She might say, What's good about it? None of y'all ever had that experience in your life? Yeah, we've all had those kind of experiences. <laughs> There's some days there ain't nothing you can do right. I don't care what you say. 
You know, it all depends on the day your mate's having or the friend at work. You might walk up to a brother one morning at work. He's standing there to drink it out and you pat him on the back and say, Good morning, how are you doing? He said, Don't touch me like that. I'll punch you out. You hit me again. You say, Ooh, goodness gracious, alive. What kind of day is he having? Well, the best thing you can do to him is pray for him and leave him alone. You know, because people have those kind of days, don't they? You know, I mean, we are human beings. And if we... Don't do what the Lord says. It'll open the door and bring sickness and disease into your body. You know, it'll open that door. He says there, uh, this is the example that you are to follow. Christ, his example, uh, he, he had no sin and neither was guile in his mouth. Even when he was reviled, he did not revile again. If somebody comes against you, you know, talks evil against you. You know, you're not to revile back. You know? Now, how many, of you are, how many of you can do that? I mean, how many, stop and think, not with the world. Think about your own mate one morning. You wake up and she's having a bad day. Oh, dear. Frank wakes up the morning he had a bad day. And he ain't too easy to get along with. You've got to love him anyway today. Because you know the consequences, don't you? So, if you love him anyway, in a little while, he's okay. Now, Frank, I know Terry never has those kind of days either. So. <laughs> I don't care who you are, you have those kind of days once in a while. That's why God says love each other. And if you love each other, you don't open no doors to the devil. You've got to walk into God kind of love if you want to walk well. Then he says here, And when he suffered, now if you haven't suffered lately, but he says, but even when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Now, I don't know about you, but this set of requirements is pretty hard to follow. This is a pretty good act to follow. But Jesus did it, so if he did it and he was a man, guess what you and me can do? We can do it if we'll try. Now, if you do it, then you don't have to worry about sickness and disease. It will not come to your flesh. It cannot come to your flesh. It's sin that opens the door to the devil, and the devil is the one that brings all sickness and disease. I don't care if it's a runny nose. I don't care if it's the bird flu. I don't care what it is. It's a demon. That's what that is. And you don't have to have none of that stuff. But you can't get off into fear if you do. The bird flu will come to your house. You know? So don't get into fear. You've got to walk in faith. If you walk in faith, nothing shall be impossible with you, Jesus said. Nothing. That's the king talking. Then he says in verse 24, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. Now then, if Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin. Are you dead? He says you are. If you are dead to sin, Paul says, how in can a dead man sin anymore after this? You know why? Because we don't stay dead very well. We resurrect this beast real easy, don't we, brother? We bring it back to life. And the devil knows exactly what your weakness is in the flesh. Now, if your flesh was smoking, 
I mean, every time you drive by a store, when you walk in, that's all you'll see is the cigarette advertisements and commercials and stuff. That's all you'll hear on the radio. And he'll work on you until he gets you smoking again. Or if your weakness was drinking beer or alcohol or whatever it was, he'll do everything he can to get you there. If your, if your weakness was uh, eating, I mean, he'll make sure that you get plenty to eat, far more than you need every day. He knows what your weakness is. You know? I don't care what your If your weakness is gossiping, he'll make sure he gives you plenty of things to talk about. And then he'll stand before God. Now, he will accuse you before the throne of grace. And he'll make you sick and afflict you. But, if you're willing to do what the Lord says, and he bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. What does it mean to live unto righteousness? That's one of the things. That's one of the things. But Dave Rosenfeld, a friend of mine that's going to ORU, one of his professors come up with the, uh, from the Greek and the Hebrew both, especially in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, the word that's used there for righteousness is it's doing acts of kindness. Doing deeds and actions of kindness. That's righteousness. That's a God kind of righteousness. Doing deeds of kindness. Now then, isn't that something? So you want to be righteous? Then you're always doing acts of, and deeds of loving kindness to everyone. To everyone. So if you're doing that, then you're walking in God's sight. You're walking righteous. Isn't that amazing? So how many people do you know that do deeds of loving kindness to everyone every day? Acts of loving kindness to everyone. If you do that, you can walk into God kind of love. And He'll answer your prayer. He'll answer your prayer. Acts of loving kindness. You've got to let that meditate. You've got to meditate on it and let that sink in. You've got to really realize that God wants us to walk in righteousness. But to walk in righteousness, we have to do deeds of loving kindness to everyone. Everyone. Isn't that amazing? Boy, we don't do that very well, do we? But we need to do it God's way. Now, let me tell you, if you do it God's way, you won't never get sick. Because look what the Lord promised there. If you do all these things that He said, if you have no sin, starting in verse 22, if you do not sin, no guile in your mouth, you don't revile, you don't threaten, you die to sin and live unto righteousness, then He says, by my stripes you were healed. Is that what He said? So, everybody wants to walk in divine health. I mean, there's not anything like it. I've had the privilege to walk in this now for well over 20 years. And it's just, it's just absolutely awesome to not even have to be concerned about waking up tomorrow and being sick. Now then, if I do wake up and there's any kind of a pain or a symptom or anything, guess what's the first thing I do? Lord, did I do something wrong? Did I sin? Did I make a little mistake? Did I do acts of loving kindness? Did I love my wife this morning? Was I good to her? 
Did I do something good or was I mean to her? How many people can you, how many people do you know that gets mean with their mate in the course of a day? Men and women. They do that, don't they? Well, is that deeds of loving kindness? No. Now then, you know what the best thing you can do if you have a problem with your mate? And they're not living and not willing to walk in deeds of loving kindness? You know, it takes two to argue. Y'all ever know that? So what can the other one just do, Terry? Just walk off? Just say, I love you, and walk out. Even while they're screaming at you, just say, I love you anyway, and go, go somewhere else. Stay for a little while, give them time to think about it. They'll come around in a little while, or do like Cheryl does me. When I get there, she'll just zip it, and she'll, like she said, she'll just zip it and go over, and she said, Lord, I'm coming to the throne of grace. That man you give me, you're going to have to do something to him. I can't do nothing with you, but I know you can. <laughs> She's learned how to do that well. In about ten minutes, I'm okay. After about 10 minutes, she says, well, Lord, you've had plenty of time now. I go back in there. He's okay now. <laughs> yeah, the other day I said something to her. She turned around and she said, you're about this far from me going to the throne of grace for you. <laughs> so that means I need to straighten up right now. See, Because I know what's going to happen. She's going to go to the throne and sick daddy on me. So woo, I better straighten my act up right now. See. Because when the daughters come in, you know how these, you know how dads are. When daughters come in, daughters can get anything from daddy when us boys can't even think about getting it. <laughs> you know what I mean? These little daughters, they go and jump up in arms. Daddy say, "Dad, oh man," and daddy's just wilt. Oh me, I know. Little boys is not quite like that, but little girls. I mean, I'm so glad that when my son and and his wife had their second baby, she wanted another boy. But they had a baby girl, and I'm so glad. So glad. Because my son, if all he had boys, he'd be an old hard, you know, you know, swat him. He said, Dad, you was too easy on me. I ain't going to be that easy on my boys. Yeah, well, I thought, what you need is a little girl. No, we want boys, Dad. Well, God knew what was right for me. Give him a little girl. Beautiful, precious, little petite thing. I mean, beautiful, long black hair about that long. When she was born, oh wow. God really knows what he's doing, Terry. He really knows what he's doing. So now then, by the stripes of Jesus, if you'll walk in obedience to his word, you won't never have to be sick. But if you didn't know all those things, and you got sick, and many of you are here today because you are sick, and you need to be healed. Well, the God we serve is the healer. Now, I said a while ago that God does things two different ways. He does miracles and He does healings. This is where the majority of the church misses it when it comes to healing. Whenever we get a miracle, we all think God does everything instantaneous miracles. So, if we get prayed for and we don't feel or see any change right then, well, it wasn't God's will to heal me. It don't work like that, does it? You didn't get your miracle like that, did you, Terry? No, she did not. And most people did not. Now then, last night, I had Dave Rosenfeld share his testimony with a couple that came from Louisiana to visit with us yesterday evening because they needed to see Dave's miracle. Now, Dave was born with his problem. Now, he's 42 years old now. 
But his grandmother was born with this problem. His mother was born with this problem. And he was born with this problem. And it's a skin disease. Now, his grandmother died with this, this terrible disease. His mother still has this terrible disease. But he is now completely healed. Now, when Dave come to me, he said, Thurman, look at me. Now, he, his skin was weeping and it was flaking. And, you know, he, he, just, he didn't look normal by a long shot. But he met this beautiful little girl from Canada, and they got married a year or two or whatever later after he met. And they'd been married about a year and a half or two years, something like that, or three, two, whatever it was. Whenever Dave and Herb came here, and I saw him for the first time. And when I saw Dave, I saw this skin problem. Well, he was on medication. or not. Well, uh, not all, I don't know what you call it, medication. But he was taking some different things, natural things, vitamins and a special diet and everything else to try to control his problem. And they had to put all these lotions on him all the time, all over his body, every day. It'd take 45 minutes, I think, or more every day for them to apply these lotions all over his body before he could exist. I mean, he'd had it all his life. The doctor said there's no cure for it. You cannot cure it. I told him when he came to me, I said, I'm going to guarantee you, if you believe God, God's going to heal you. He said, look, you can't guarantee me God's going to heal me. I said, God guaranteed in His Word. If I can't guarantee it, then I don't believe the Word. He said, well, you're the man I need to talk to. And so he started coming over here. And I told him, I said, now this is a generational curse. And you, it is God's will to heal every one of His people every time. I said, you have to get that in your spirit. And then you got to stand up. I said, if you don't have that hidden in your heart, that you're not fighting against God, but you're fighting against the devil. If you think you're trying to get God to do something he's reluctant to do, if you don't get it in a week or two or a month, you just give up. And I said, then you die. The devil wins. But I said, when you realize God's already healed you, already bore your sickness and removed your disease... And this is a devil killing you. And Jesus destroyed this devil 2,000 years ago and destroyed his power and took away all of his armor and all his weapons. And then he gave you all power and authority. I said, then you can stand on the Word of God. And so Dave came to me. We prayed the prayer of faith and he started standing. He got off all of his diet, off of his uh, vitamins, everything. And within a month, he looked a whole lot worse than he did. But in two months, he looked a whole lot worse than he did. And then in three months, he looked worse. And at 11 months, he can't hardly wear clothes. He has sores, oozing, running sores on his face, ears, feet, can't wear shoes. He's got flip-flops on, big old sores, scabs on his arm, all up and down the inside of his leg. He came to me and said, Thurman, I can't hardly walk. I can't sit down. I have to stand at church. I can barely get in the car. I can't even drive anymore. He said, what do I do? I said, Dave, you stand on the Word of God and kick that devil out. Now, how many people do you know has got that kind of staying power? Most of us are microwave technology. You know, come up. Oh, hurry, Thurman. I ain't even got time to sit through a whole healing school. I know you teach them things about four hours. I ain't got time. Intermission, pray for me. I got things to do. I got to go. So I can get healed. Let me tell you, God ain't no hurry. Ain't no hurry. I mean, if you're going to have work like that with God, just forget it. You're going to die. Ain't nothing in the world you can do. But if you're willing to fight the fight like Dave did, he took this word. We stood on this word. 
We prayed over him. We rebuked the devil and stand. I said, now you must believe and you must stand. And I said, every word out of your mouth must always 100% be, thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you, it's done. I mean, when he was still working as a, I guess, a computer science engineer, he was designing software for big companies all over the country. When you go to one of those people, one of them looked, golly, Dave, you look awful. He said, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. (laughs) You're what? (laughs) I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm sure glad you're designing software and not some. Wow, you know, you are crazy. How many people know that if you have a confession like that and you look awful and you can't hardly wear clothes, you can't even wear shoes, and your feet are just bleeding or oozing pus out all over the place? How many of you know? And by the 11th month, this is a confession, ma'am. By the 11th month, he stunk so bad, nobody could stand to be around him. But he's still standing, brother. He's standing on the Word. I mean, it takes a fool. No, it takes a fool for Jesus. That's what it takes. It takes a man that believes the Word. He continued to stand, and that devil fought him tooth and nail for 18 months. And then in 18 months, he's still confessing. The Word of God says it. I got it. He says, by his stripes, I'm healed. Praise God, I'm healed. And everybody's around him will say, how you doing today, Dave? He said, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Don't touch me. I can't stand for you to touch me. His wife would walk up to him and put her arm out there. You know how a woman will do that? Don't touch me. Can't stand it. That's how bad he is hurting. But you make your declaration. How are you today, Frank? By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Praise God. What, you, I can't even touch you? And you're healed? Yes. Why are you healed? Because it's written in the Word of God. Amen. Eighteen months total. Every demon of hell left him. And today, he is completely, totally healed from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I'm telling you, the Word of God works. We're fighting against demons. And we have to realize that it's not, was it God's will to heal him? Yes, Jesus healed him on the cross 2,000 years ago. In fact, this lovely couple right over here that was at the ministry center last night from uh, Louisiana, Dave showed them, of course, she's going through some things that she's standing also, and he showed them his pictures that they took of his body. And there was times his body looked awful, wasn't it, Bill? I mean, he looked awful. Uh, now, I mean, you know, that this, this is where we have to learn the Word of God either means what it says right. or it doesn't mean what it says. Right. Now then, the Word of God, let me take you to a scripture and show you something here. And this, I want you to go to Psalms 103 and I want you to see what this says. In Psalms 103, verse 1 says... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Now, that's what we should be doing every day of our life, blessing the Lord. We ought to wake up in the morning, and I mean, Dave Rosenfeld, right now I can walk in the ministry center and say, Jesus. And you know what he does? 
Both hands goes up. Praise the King. I mean, you can even be sitting over reading his computer and I walk in and say, praise the Lord. He'd throw one, at least one hand up. Won't he marry? I mean, he loves the Lord because he now realizes, in fact, him going to ORU now, this has been an awesome thing because I've taught him from the Word of God that all sickness and disease is demonic. And now then, they're having a real problem with him because they don't believe that. But he's showing them in the Word, and, and they're talking about healing. And now he has a tremendous healing experience. And when you've had the Word and your healing experience to go with it, and you fall to the devil and you want, it's hard to tell you Jesus' Word don't work no more, isn't it, Terry? Forget it. <laughs> Got to you too late, right, girl? The Word works. Look what the Word says in verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Now, how many of them? Oh, well then let's see what some of those are. Now this is the best benefit package in the world. It's not a better benefit package. Who forgiveth all your iniquities. How many? Now I'm telling you what. All of y'all are, I'm sure, as grateful as Cheryl and I are, that all the sins all of us have committed all our life, when we come to Christ, say, Lord, I'm sorry I've done those things. Forgive me. And he puts our sins as far as the east is in the west. Let me tell you, I am grateful that he done that. Now, he, well, no, but Terry, he couldn't forgive all of yours. You know, I mean, maybe that's all of mine. But, you know, you were so wicked, girl. Now, I'm just kidding, of course. Frank. Oh, that was Frank. <laughs> but he forgive all of our, it don't matter how bad we are, right? I'm just kidding there. But it, it doesn't make it what you've done or who you are. He promised to forgive all of our iniquities. And if, and if He promised it, hey, it's a done deal when we come to the Lord. And then He says after that, and who heals all of your diseases. Now, if that's true, why do so many people die with sickness and disease? Because they don't believe this. They do not believe He heals all of our diseases. Now, if you believe he heals all of your diseases like Dave did, whenever he got his sins repented and we broke every generational curse that come up through him, we took that scripture like Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has already redeemed us from the curse because he became a curse for us. For it is written. For it is written. If Christ redeemed you from the curse, then you're redeemed. If he's already bought it and paid for it, there ain't no use in you and him both having it, right? So when you start claiming those things by faith and then start standing on the Word, if you don't doubt God's Word, what does God have to do? He has to heal you. He promised it. And he cannot lie. Now, he didn't promise it healed you in an instant. Now, can he? Of course he can. And we've seen him do that for lots of people. But... How many people he heals? How many? All of our diseases. I mean, I don't understand what we don't understand about that. If God heals all of our diseases, when we come to him and repent of our sins, it is always God's will to heal you 100% of the time. Now then, the old devil would have put a pain on you. Oh, 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 but you went down to that healing school and they taught you the word and you, they prayed over you, but you can't, you can't straighten up today. Look at that pain in your side. You say, oh my gosh, 
It must not have worked for me. I better go to the doctor. You're right. It didn't work for you. You just lost it right there. When you doubted, when you doubted God's Word, do you know God don't like for you to doubt Him or call Him a liar? And when you don't believe His Word, you just called Him a liar? Woo! Do you know if you were to call somebody a liar and you know they just told you the truth, they wouldn't like it? Yeah. But God don't like it either. And He has promised you, He said, I heal all of your diseases. He says, I redeem your life from destruction. Redeem your life from destruction. The devil's trying to kill you and destroy you, and he redeemed you from that. All you got to do is claim it. When you repent of your sins, he has redeemed you from your life from destruction, and he crowns you with loving kindness. Now, this is the Lord. He loves us. I mean, after all, all good and perfect things comes from the Lord. No sickness, no disease. No, God don't put sickness and disease on you to teach you something. You know, I mean, I'm just suffering for Jesus. I know I got this cancer because God's trying to show me something. Well, let me tell you, if you believe God put that cancer on you, what are you going down to the hospital trying to get healed for? Why are you going down there and spend $100,000 giving your money to the devil if you believe God's trying to show you something? If you believe He's trying to show you something, why don't you just grin and bear it and go on? Ain't no use to go down there and spend your money with a doctor. If God put it on you, the doctor ain't going to heal you anyway. Can't. If God put it on you. You know who put it on you? The devil. You know how come the devil put it on you? Because of your sin. If you don't sin, the devil can't touch you. That's a promise from God. But how many of us even try to walk with no sin? How many of us try to put God first in everything we put, everything we do every day? Then he says, He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things. Now, how many of you, every time you sit down to eat, everything, I mean, if you just stop by the store and get a Dr. Pepper or a candy bar, and, and if you're still doing that, I don't do that no more, but <clears throat> I was so proud of my honey bunny. She was, when I married her, she was a Dr. Pepper queen. I mean, today she had to have three or four or five a day. I mean, I mean, if they were there, she would drink them. I didn't know since we'd, you know, she limited herself on Dr. Pepper's. We'd start to go somewhere and say, I want to stop down by the place and get me a Dr. Pepper this afternoon. Okay, no big deal. I'd run there and get her a Dr. Pepper. And so I thought, well, this girl loves Dr. Pepper. I love this girl, so I'll buy her a 24-pack and put it in the refrigerator. When I got home, I thought she'd have said, Woo, honey, thank you. I love you so much. You know what she did? Chewed me out. What do you mean buying me a case of Dr. Pepper in the refrigerator? I said, because I love you. She said, but I can't control myself. <laughs> she said, don't never buy me Dr. Pepper in the refrigerator. I drank too many of them. So, see, I got in trouble trying to love her, see. <laughs> so, I mean, you do things for people because you love them, right? Well, of course, then I said something that said too well. I said, well, then learn how to discipline yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Frank, I'm a guy, right? After all. <clears throat> but anyway, you have to believe that when the Lord, when you get anything, I don't care where you are, if you stop and get a drink of water, whatever, walk up to a water fountain before you push that button, how many of you say, Lord, I want to thank you for this water you fixed and put in my body in the name of Jesus? Most people don't. Most people don't. 
You walk in, get you a cup of coffee, or you work in the morning, you go take a cup of coffee, you go around and sip that thing. And somebody might say something, you say, yeah, this is really good coffee. This, morning. Oh, this stuff ain't no good at all. Gosh, this must have been made last night. It's awful. Grumbling and complaining. You know? Yeah. Like a sign I saw here a while back up in one of the big billboards up north. It said, if you think the traffic lanes are bad now, just keep grumbling and complaining. <laughs> God. I thought, wow, that's pretty awesome. <clears throat> if you think things are bad now, just keep grumbling and complaining. But he says there, not only does he crown us with loving kindness, satisfies our mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Did you know Christians are not supposed to get old? We gain years, but we're not supposed to get old and wore out. You know, we have been trained to think that, you know, whenever, when I was a young man and daddy was 50, I knew he had one foot in the grave and another one on a banana peel. You know, that's just what I thought, you know, whenever I was, you know, 15, 18 years old and somebody else was 50, good grief. He's ancient. He's over the hill. I mean, I know there's not anybody in here 50, you know, but... Well, some of y'all might be 50. <laughs> but the thing about it is you've got to learn to start thinking young. You've got to start... Your mind, you have to renew your mind daily with the Word. When you renew your mind daily with the Word, you've got to realize once we become children of God, God does not plan for us not only to be sick, but He doesn't plan for us to die. Isn't that amazing? You know, I, I wonder how many times when you think about this, God planned for you to live till He gets completely through with you, till you've served Him every way in the world in a healthy body. And then one day when He's ready, He just translates you out of here and brings you to heaven with no sickness and no disease. And this is the way we as Christians are supposed to live. People say, well, I can't go there with you. Okay, then you're going to die and have sickness and disease. Because by faith. I want you to turn to see a scripture with me. And I want you to turn in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I want you to see this mighty awesome promise. And I read this scripture so many times. And I thought, Lord, this can't mean what it says. And the devil said, you're right. It don't mean what it says. <laughs> That's right. You're right. It don't mean what it says. But when you go to 2 Timothy chapter 1... You come upon this magnificent verse of verse 10. Now, I didn't write the book. This book has been written for a couple of thousand years. But I want you to look at what Paul was telling Timothy. In, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, he says, But is now made manifest. What does it mean when it says now? That mean, oh, it means what it says, brother? Now, but right now. So Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, but right now, then, it was made manifest, right? Okay, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Had Jesus had appeared to them? Yeah, He'd already been there. They had seen Him. Who hath abolished death? Who what? Who, who, who He did what, man? What does that mean? I mean, He has abolished death. Then why are we all still getting sick and die? Why? Well, because we don't think right. We plan to die. Yes, sir? I, I don't usually speak out, but uh, I just want to fortify what you say. Okay, hold it just a minute. Let me get a mic so that 
that uh, everybody can hear what you're going to say. <clears throat> well, when I was 35, uh, I had a severe seizure, and uh, I died, and uh, they had called the morgue at uh, Wilbert Hall Hospital in San Antonio, and they were fixing to tell my wife and four kids that I was dead. And then after a considerable length of time, I started breathing again to their amazement. You know. But I've died four times again since then. And I'm still here. So there must be something to it, what you're saying. The thing about it is, if the Lord says this in His Word, then we have to start believing what's written in the Word. Now you've got to change... In other words, the Word of God says you must renew your mind daily with the Word of God. Because in the world, we're trained. If you look at television, there's constant bombardments of drugs. You know? I mean, somebody said, not drugs. No, no, no. Oh, have you got a headache? We have the pill that's the most powerful there is, and we can knock that thing, and you can be without pain in two minutes. we got the best there is on the market. If one don't do it, take four. That'll do it. I mean, they're constantly bombarding you with drugs of some kind. You know, and then, I mean, everything. You see every kind of advertisement that appeases to the flesh. I mean, how many of you ever seen a beer commercial or, well, let's say, you've seen them down on the beach? All these good-looking guys and girls with their little bitty skimpy outfits on, running around with their, don't get no better than this? And y'all ever seen a commercial like that about beer on TV? Sure. How many of you ever seen a commercial on TV where they drive up on the scene with the beer bottles everywhere and blood and everything and somebody's head got cut off or a vehicle turned over and a guy's drunk and there he is squashed like a bug and they say, this is what happens when you drink too much. You ever seen a commercial like that on television? Not one time. But how many times did that happen? Over and over and over. But they don't ever advertise that, do they? Because the devil, he's trying to kill you. He wants you to be drawn in and sucked in. I mean, how many of you ever saw a beer commercial with all these guys that are 50 years old have been drinking for 30 years and got beer bellies this big hanging out over their swimsuit? You ever seen one like that? No, they don't have them out there, do they? They got these macho guys, you know. I mean, they're nothing but macho. And the women, ooh, I mean, you know, they got little bitty swimsuits on, and they're perfect. They can't find no perfecter women. I mean, there ain't no normal one. You don't have one that's been sipping suds with their husband all these years, and both of them walking around out there, and they got these big beer bellies. You don't see that, do you, Terry? I mean, but that's reality. That's what that stuff does to you. The devil will do everything he can to kill your flesh. I mean, he's good at what he does. I mean, it's sad that we don't read this word and by not reading it. I mean, you don't have any idea how many times I read that scripture over and over and over before I finally said, God, this has got to mean what it says. If you said in your word, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, you have already abolished death and have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I mean, is that what your book said? So what, what do we start standing on from now on? Praise the Lord. 
I mean, I mean, death. Death, what's that? I ain't never going to die. Well, Thurman, you know everybody's going to die. Well, you can die if you want to. Well, you know, it's written clearly in Hebrews, it's appointed unto man once to die and then to judgment. Well, I ain't never going to be judged. Jesus already done that. He wasn't talking about me there. He's talking about the lost person's going to die. But not me. I already been judged by the blood. I mean, I made just as if I never sinned. So, life is for me. Death has been abolished by what Jesus did. And immortality. I'm immortal. There can't nothing bother me. Can't nothing kill me. What do you think we could do with an, with a, those kind of thoughts? If you think like that, God will do everything in His power, which is more than you'll need, to keep you healthy. He will protect you. If you'll start thinking like that and quoting His Word, most of the church will think you're crazy. But God will say, hey, they believe my Word. Well, He said, I'm going to keep you healthy. I'm going to use you. You're going to have a long life. You're going to walk holy before me. And then one day, because you've obeyed me, like Enoch did at 350 years, I so loved Enoch, I decided, hey, Enoch, come on. Let's just go to heaven. And He snatched him out, translated him out, and Enoch was no more. Did he get sick and die? No. no. I don't know about you, but I want to leave what little money I've earned in my life as an inheritance to my children and my grandchildren. I don't want to give it to some doctor. Amen. And I wouldn't mind giving a little to a doctor, you know, if they charge me right. You know, but I don't want to go down there and, and have to go in and, in fact, I'll tell you here a while back, <clears throat> we had a couple. Had a baby. And the placenta wouldn't come out. So she was losing blood. Well, they didn't want to pull the placenta out because they're not doctors. So we took her over to a hospital and we sat there with a doctor for hours with a doctor saying, well, if it don't come out, we'll have to do this. And if this don't happen, we'll have to do this. And if this don't happen, then we'll have to do a full hysterectomy. And after a few months, I said, hey, look, let's quit, let's quit this nonsense. We're wasting everybody's time. I said, all we want you to do, we're not, we're not uh, qualified to reach up there. I said, I believe if I was qualified, I could reach up there and grab a hold of that thing, jerk that thing out, and it'd come right out. But I said, I'm not qualified. So I said, I'm not a doctor. But I said, I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you, and I want you to quit talking. I want you to get a hold of that thing and pull it out. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith. Father, in the name of Jesus. I stood up in that room and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, let that doctor get a hold of that placenta. Let him pull them nurses, whatever they're going to do. But Lord, let that thing, turn that thing loose and let them pull it right out in the name of Jesus. I said, now then, doc, get a hold of that thing, pull it out in Jesus' name. And of course, this, this is a precious wife of a man and I don't want to look on her nakedness. So I got my back turned to this whole thing, but I'm in the room. You know. Yeah, we were all there, Sheldon. We was all there. And I'm telling that doctor gets hold of that thing. That nurse starts working massaging on her stomach. And that thing just pulls right out of there. No problem. That doctor he said, well, next time I have a problem, I'm going to have you come pray for me. <laughs> I said, well, we guess let's get over this nonsense talking about, you know, hysterectomies and surgeries and all this kind of stuff. God says you can ask for anything and I'll do it. You know, so I said, don't you think it's time we as a church stop? Believing the doctors and start praying in faith. That thing came out today. That little girl's perfect. There's not a thing wrong with her. I'm telling you, the Word of God says right there, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has already abolished death for the church, for the believers in Jesus. So stop thinking dying. If you go around thinking dying, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. 
Somebody walks up to you and says, well, when do you plan to die? I said, I ain't never going to die. I have eternal life. Well, you know, everybody's going to die. Well, you can die if you want to, but I ain't going to. I'm going to serve God. Well, now, Thurman, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to die? How are you going to go to heaven? I said, I'm going to be translated when the king's ready to take me home. But now, Thurman, you know you've got to get sick and go to the hospital to die. No, no, no. Not me. Not with this book. I mean, brother, are we going to believe the book? Hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Ain't no use in this nonsense of thinking sickness and disease. I mean, sickness and disease are paid for by the king on the cross 2,000 years ago. And now he says, Christ has already abolished death and has brought forth life and immortality. I'm immortal. When I was 20 years old, I knew I was immortal already. (laughs) Didn't you, Frank? And then I began to see a few people die. And I thought, well, maybe I'm not as immortal as I thought I was. But see, I'm starting to think like the world. But now, much later, in later life, I'm beginning to see the promises of God. Now, what am I going to do with these promises as I renew my mind? I'm going to stand on them. Now, I'm going to go back and I'm going to show you in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to see this. First, First Corinthians chapter three. Excuse me, not chapter one. First Corinthians chapter three, verse twenty-one. That's where I want you to go. First Corinthians three twenty-one. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for a few things belong to the church. Now, wait, that couldn't be all things belong to the church. Frankly, it was. If that is true, we'd think different. But it is true, isn't it? What belongs to you as the church? You mean that's written in your Bible, ma'am? I underlined it. It's there. You underlined it. It's there. All things belongs to us, the church. Well, wonder what all things are. Well, I mean, but let's leave, let's let's expound on them a little bit. Let's go see. Let's go to the next verse. He says, whether you're Paul or Apollos or Peter, or the world, or life, or death, all are things present, or things to come, all are yours. As a church, what belongs to us? Don't you think it's time we start thinking like that, brother? I mean, life and death belongs to me, so which one are you going to pick? Life? Hey, praise God. That's why I'm going to pick life, too. Somebody says, well, how old do you plan to get before you die? I said, I ain't going to die. Is that right, brother? That's what I'm going to call it, too. I ain't going to die. Now, wait a minute, Thurman. All people die. Okay, well, you can if you can die if you want to. I mean, but Jesus told me that life and death is mine. I can either choose life or I can choose death as a child of God. Now, wait a minute, Thurman. You know you can't do that. Well, I don't know. It's written in the Word. Since it's written in the Word, you can go ahead and choose anything you want to. That's just like when Jesus said that if you will repent of your sins, I will heal. How many of your diseases? How many did He say, sir? Do you think He really meant that? If He meant all, then we know your healing is on the way today, right? It can't fail. Because the St. Thurman Scripture is saying this. This is a king making His promise to you, right, brother? Is that good news? 
Amen. But now see, you and me got to believe it. He's already made the promise, hadn't he? The promises are there. He didn't just give you a few things, did he, young lady? All things belong to you as a daughter of the king. When you get a hold of that, now the devil will do everything he can to get you not to believe that. That devil is so good at what he does. I mean, he is a beast. And you know, the average church member today, when I first started trying to teach people, you could get well if you were sick and you were a Christian. I caught so much flack, it was almost unbelievable. But then when I started trying to teach them that you don't have to be sick, you can walk in divine health, the rest of them really knew I was nuts. And now I'm teaching them you don't even have to die. And they said, whoa, this guy stepped out on, he's crazy. Well, all i got to say, the Bible says it. If the Word of God says it, he's a faith God, and i got to believe it. And then when are you going to die? I ain't going to die. How long are you going to live? Well, I don't know. He said he's satisfied me with long life. I don't know. When Cheryl and I get to be about 200, maybe we'll be ready to go to the house. I don't know. But if we ain't ready, we'll stay a little longer, right, Eddie? Praise God. See, I've learned a few things now. That devil's going to try to take me out, but we pray for protection every day. Life is ours. You get out in your car and stop somebody, say, Lord, send him angels watch over me today. Because I know the devil's out there to try to kill me. He's going to try his best to cause me to be in a car wreck. Or something, he's going to do something. He's going to try to stop my heart. He's going to try to do something. He's going to try to put sickness, disease on me. But you send him more angels to keep that beast off of me in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Now then you say, angels, I've asked the Father in Jesus' name to send angels to walk beside you. angels, you keep them devils off of me in the name of Jesus. They hearken to the Word of God spoken in the earth today. How does the Word of God get spoken in the earth today? You speak it. You speak it. Now, this will take a renewed mind to think like this. It takes a renewed mind to believe these promises in here. When we go back to this outline, you must know what the will of God is in the matter of healing, or you cannot be healed. And so many people today think, well, I want you to pray for me, and I want to be healed. Do you believe God will heal you when I pray for you? Well, I don't know, brother, what his will is for sure, but I sure hope I get healed when you pray for me. Forget it. That will never bring God on the scene. Now, you've got to be like Dave Rosenfeld. I pray the prayer of faith for you, and 18 months later, actually 11 to 12 months later, if you had seen him and smelt him at 12 months, you'd have thought he's dead. I'm serious. Uh, I'm telling you. It, he was awful. You couldn't already stand to be around him. He smelt like death. And yet this fool is saying, By the stripes of Jesus I am healed. Well, say it with exuberance. Well, I'm saying with all the strength I got, you sure don't look healed. I don't care what I look like. It is written. God's Word says, By His stripes I am healed. I have ever sinned repented of. This curse has been broken. That devil's got to leave, and I'm the winner in the name of Jesus. And it cannot fail because God said it. And six months later, he's totally well. And last night we sat there with Bill and Mary, and Bill and Mary heard him give their testimony, his testimony to them, themselves. And it's awesome to hear a testimony like that, isn't it, Bill? I mean, especially to get to watch and see the pictures and everything. Say, praise God. 
You know, I'm telling you, when you hear a man that stood on the Word of God for 18 months and at a year looked like he's going to die, I'm telling you, the average Christian comes back to me in a day, a week, or if they ain't got their healing in a month. I came here last month. You prayed for me, brother. Nothing happened. Will you pray for me again? Let me tell you, you're in total unbelief. You're not standing on God's promises. He heard our prayer the first time. All you got to do is praise Him and worship Him and thank Him. And the devil says, oh, but that little pain in your ear right there, do you feel that? Oh, yeah, devil, I feel that. But I know Jesus already bore my pain and removed my sickness. So it's a done deal. I don't care what you put on me. I ain't believing nothing. Now then, if you haven't seen the tape, the video back there, the DVD on Betty Baxter, Betty's mother stood for 10 years for Betty. She kept saying, Jesus, you're the healer. My daughter's well. And little Betty had all these incurable diseases. Her body was all drawn up and locked and big old knots all over her head and down her back. And she said, Lord, he, she's healed in the name of Jesus. She's going to do great things. And then the doctor come out one day and said, that's okay, Miss Baxter. You can stop praying now. Betty just died. She said, no, absolutely not. She can't die. God made me a promise. He said in his word, whatever I ask him, he'll do it. He said, I've asked him to raise Betty up and completely heal her. So there ain't no way she can die. But ma'am, I'm sorry, she's dead. He said, I don't care what you say. And Betty walked across the valley of the shadow of death and walked up there. And there stood Jesus. And he says, Betty, you can't come in yet because of your mother's prayers. Go back. And be comatose for about three more months and I will come in the fall and I will heal you. So the next thing Betty knew, she was back in her body. Laying there on the bed, comatose. And she lay there for about three more months. She woke up and Jesus spoke to her and said, Now next Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Because you've been faithful. You've seen that, haven't you, brother? She said, I will come and completely heal you. So mama's excited. She hears the word from the Lord. She goes to church, invites the pastor. She invites all, everybody to come to Jesus is coming to our house next Sunday at 3 p.m. Who believes that today? Nobody. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it a shame? Well, invited all the guests, friends and everything. Relatives lost and unsaved. Some of them came, some of them didn't. But she said at 3 p.m., Miss Baxter stood up and said, Now, Jesus... You're not a man that you can lie. But you said you'd be here at 3 p.m. this afternoon to heal my Betty. So we wait in your presence. And all of a sudden that white cloud came into that room with the wind blowing in the house on that hot August day. And she said my uncle that was lost was over his knuckles were turning white as he gripped into the furniture. Because he had never seen a wind blow like that inside the house when it ain't blowing outside the house. <laughs> And said so there was that great big beautiful cloud showed up right over and stepped right out of that cloud. was the most beautiful, awesome being I've ever seen in my life. With his white robe with his gold on. And he walked right up to me and said, if I could have, if I could have reached a hand out, I could have touched him. But said I couldn't move. And he was sitting there and he said, now Betty. He said, look down at me. He said, because you've been faithful. And because you've walked in love. And because you've not complained about your situation. Message in that. Only been sick ten years because you've not complained. I have come to completely heal you. 
She said, I felt him reach inside my stomach, grab my intestines that was all moved over to the side, move them into the right place. I felt his hand go up and reach my heart, which is enlarged many times, squeeze it down to the right size, move it over to the right side. His hand come out. He touched me on the forehead and every knot on my body disappeared. My arms came loose and I jumped out of that chair completely healed. Let me tell you, ten years she stood. You've seen the testimony, you know. We got some DVDs back there, I guess. The Betty Baxter miracle. If you've not seen her testimony, have you seen it, Terry? Awesome, isn't it? Now then, how old do you think she is in that testimony? That's a few years ago when I taped that off of Daystar. Yeah, she was older. She's what, 60? 60, yeah. I'm guessing that too. I'm not really a good judge of women. You know, I don't know. But, you know, maybe she's 60 years old. All I got to say, she's a very beautiful woman. She's still on fire for Jesus. And she's no knots or nothing. Ain't nothing wrong with her, is there? Ooh, she's teaching the Word of God. But for the first ten years of her life, she had all them knots, arms twisted, locked, couldn't walk, couldn't get out, couldn't do nothing. But because her mother stood on the Word for ten years, you don't never give up with God. He's already paid the price for you for your healing. You take the Word of God. You stand on it. You get these healing Scriptures. You get them down. You start praising Him and thanking Him for these mighty promises that He's already done it. Let Him know you know it. Thank you, Lord. It's done. You paid this price for me. Now, I'm going to walk holy before you. I'm kicking this devil out in the name of Jesus and I'm going to walk in divine health. And since you abolished death already and give me life and immortality, I ain't never going to get sick and die. I'm going to live until you get ready to translate me out of here. And I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how they come against me. And they say, well, when are you going to die? I said, I'm not going to die. Because Jesus has already abolished death. And this is the last enemy to be destroyed. And I've already learned the answer. He did it 2,000 years ago. So I'm standing by faith. And the king says, wow, there's one of my children that I'll have to translate because the devil ain't going to be able to kill him. He's standing by faith. And so one day, who knows, 150 years old, step up here on this platform to preach the Word of God with power and authority. And who knows what God's doing. And all of a sudden he says, "Uh uh-oh, son, that's the last one. You just kicked the last devil out. Time for you to come to the house. Totally, completely, perfectly healed body. My spirit's gone. And the old body falls down on the ground. And it didn't have to give a doctor a penny of nothing. And don't you dare raise me from the dead either. <laughs> After I've been here that long and I've done all this and the Lord translates me out, don't you dare call me back from heaven. Yeah, it could. Yeah, praise God. But I don't, I don't even want this old body when I leave here. I want that new one. Amen. In the meantime, I'm going to take care of this one though. And this one is going to do everything I want to do every day. Amen. You know? I mean, this body has... He renews your youth daily like the eagles. Now, see, that takes a renewing of your mind to think like that. You know what most people say? Grandma, would you please go out and run down the road with me? Oh, honey, Grandma's too old to do that. I used to do that when I was young, but I'm too old now. I can't run down the road with you no more. Why don't you go get your little brother to run down the road? Or your daddy. Maybe he's much younger, but granddad's too old to run. You think wrong. You're thinking wrong. The little grandbaby comes and says, Granddad, you run down the road with me? Sure, let's go. Let me show you how it's done. 
Praise the king. I mean, you get out there and you run down that road. I mean, did the Lord say he renewed your youth daily like the eagles? If he has renewed your youth daily like the eagles, start claiming the renewing of your youth every day. Don't go around saying, oh, golly, I'm getting close to 60. Ooh, and I'm close to 70. Wow. And I'm nearly 80. My goodness, I can't do nothing no more. Don't talk like that. Be 80 and say, praise God, let's go climb Mount Everest today. Y'all ready? Let's run a marathon. I mean, see, you've got to learn to renew your mind with the Word. You've got to start thinking like God. If the Lord has already given us as a church life and death, and has already healed all of us, and He's already given us as abolished death so that we can have immortality and life and live forever. And if He's already done all that and it's already been done, it's not going to happen until you start claiming it by faith. Do you know? As a young man, which I'm still a young man, but when I was really just a young man, that's when I had all my sickness and disease. But that's before I knew what the Word said. Then when I got a hold of the Word, the last 20 years, when most people are getting old and sick and feeble, they can't do nothing. You know, That's when I've got wild and violent and can able to do exceeding great and abundant things. Because I've learned who I am in Christ. Awesome. Now you can be 50 years old and be completely wore out. Because your confession is wrong and because of sin. Sin will kill In fact, I'll tell you a story about a lady. Cheryl and I was down at a little church downtown Dallas teaching here a while back. And there was a lady that was walking with a walker of 40-something years. 40 years old, wasn't she? 40 years old. Walking with a walker. And I told the story about a woman in Louisiana that is 65 years old, was already in a wheelchair, because she, after her husband died at about 58 or 60, whatever it was, when her husband died, she was totally, completely normal, able to do anything she wanted to do. And then after he'd been dead a year or two, she got into a little bit of sexual sin with a meter reader that come by the house, just once a month. But within two years, she was in a wheelchair. Because of just a little sex once in a while with a meter reader. Who would ever dream? But the Word of God says, sin brings forth death. She was sinning. And it was chipping away at her body. And I said, I got that woman to see her sin, repent of her sin, and ask God to forgive her. And I prayed to prayer of faith for her. And that woman, which had been committed to a wheelchair for two years, got out of the wheelchair and walked off. And when I was down there last year, she's still walking and totally. And I told that story. And after I told that story, there was a woman came up 40 years old. And she said, I'm that woman, only I'm 40. She said, my husband and I got a divorce. And I was perfectly strong. And she said, about two years ago, I got off into a little bit of sexual sin with a guy. And she said, right now today, I'm having trouble walking with a walker. I said, that's what sin will do for you, ma'am. Sin. Now, you can't have eternal life and immortality and live in sin. It won't work. Sin brings forth death. Sin brings forth sickness and disease into your flesh. You have to get rid of the sin. And start believing the Word of God. That is, if you want to walk in eternal life. You want to walk in divine health? And I think everybody wants to walk in divine health. Did God say in His Word 
that if we will attend to His words, it will bring long life and health to all of our flesh? What is long life? How do you interpret long life? Somebody said, well, my uncle, he lived to be 33. Man, he was old. Maybe that's a 10-year-old kid. But if you're already 67 years old, or nearly 67 years old, like I am, if you're there, then what's long life? It's not 40. It's not 50. It's not 66. It's not 68. What is long life? Oh, a couple hundred years. You know, that might, then I might change my mind again by the time I get there. I mean, when you're young and able to do anything you want to do, a number, that's just a number. It doesn't mean anything. But you're going to have to renew your mind to think like God. To be able to receive healing from the Lord, you must, absolutely must, learn to renew your mind. And you must be taught what the Word of God says before you can have the great faith to receive your healing from God. You know, I guess I get started having so much fun in the Word of God. I, the first time I've looked at my watch, and I looked, I said, I can't believe it's five minutes after three already. Now, y'all may, not be, y'all may be in a whole lot more pain than I am, but I'm having fun. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to take a break. Before we take a break, though, we're going to take an offering. I'm going to ask Cheryl and somebody else, whoever will. Uh, this is why we support the ministry. Frank may help Cheryl there, pass the little bags around. If you want to give us a check, make it out TLSM. If you want to give cash and you need a receipt, anybody going to give cash and needs a receipt, we'll give you an envelope right over here. Honey, uh, uh, thank you. Uh, Pass out these envelopes to people. Sharon here, she'll pass you out an envelope. If you need an envelope, uh, pass that out. And uh, then we will... You'll, if you won't need a receipt, make sure you print your name and address and phone number on that so we can send you a tax-deductible donation at the end of the year. Please print where we can read it. You know, so don't just put uh, John Doe, uh, Tyler, Texas. We can't, we can't find you. You know, put your address, your zip code, and your phone number in case we have a problem. Last year, Cheryl and I spent about two weeks trying to find people that had moved so we could send them a tax-deductible donation. So it creates a real problem. But anyway, we found most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. But uh, if you'll fill out your uh, checks, if you want to give a check, you don't need an envelope because we'll have the information on there. If you do give cash, we will give you an envelope. And anybody else need an envelope? Sharon, do you see anybody else need their hand up with an envelope? Okay. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to bless the gift and the giver. Everybody that gives, Lord, bless them according to their gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, now that we're going to pass these little things, and uh, we'll take your donations. And then uh, after that, we will take about a 15-minute break. And then we'll come back and we'll press on with the Word of God and get you people healed. Praise the King. Oh, yeah. And uh, for those of you that don't know, we've got all kinds of video, audio cassettes, CDs and DVDs back there. And we've got sacks for you to get what you want, take what you want, give them to your friends, everything. Everything back there is free. We don't charge for anything. You can take as much as you want. We don't put a limitation on our material. So take it and be blessed. And just as soon as we get through taking up the offering, if... It's already been by you. There's two bathrooms right here at the front.
cross the cosmos a big beautiful flower it looks like 1,000 million light years across now think of that a thousand million light years that's a little bit more than you can comprehend to give you an example of what we're talking about in the infinity of the magnificence of the God that we serve, that lives in us. The one that made all this stuff. He made light, and light travels at a very slow rate of speed. It only travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's all. Now then, to give you an idea... What that means, if you could stand right here and you could hold a gun out there and there was nothing in its way and you could pull the trigger and the bullet could stay with the contour of the earth. Now, you know, you get on an airplane here in Dallas and fly to London, you've got nine hours flying unless you fly in one of them super fast ones and then you've got about seven hours. But if you could travel at the speed of light... And that bullet could travel at that speed and stay with the contour of the earth. And you had a big bulletin board or something out here where that bullet could go through it, move over an inch every time. You could pull that trigger and say 1,001, and it would be seven holes in that sign, and it'd be halfway around the world again. It means it could go around the world seven and one-half times in the time you say 1,001. Now, that's the speed of light. Now then, if you could straighten that out and you could go out to the moon, the moon's only 248,000 miles away, so light only takes about one and a half seconds to get to the moon. Only one and a half seconds. But to get to the closest star, the closest star in our galaxy, you would have to travel for four years at the speed of light to get to the closest star in our galaxy. I mean, just kind of a little beyond your imagination. So then when you start out at 1,000 million light years across, the cosmos looks like a big, beautiful flower. 1,000 million light years. And then it comes down by powers of ten. And down by powers of ten. Until after it's made many, many powers of ten reductions, you finally see a galaxy out there with a little ball, and that's the sun. And then all these little balls that are out there, there's the earth out there. And then it zooms in on the earth and goes into the power of ten when you see the entire galaxy. And all of a sudden you see a blue and white marble. And that's the one we're living on. And then it comes on down a few more powers of ten until you can come down all the way till you can see a city. And then you can come all the way down until there's a leaf laying in the backyard of somebody's home. And then it goes down into that leaf by powers of ten about ten times until you can actually see the atoms down in the bottom of that. And that's as far as we can go. 
Who knows what the next power of ten would be? And the next, and the next. And the God that's going to heal your body is the one that made all that. And you don't have enough faith to believe He can change it? Well, when I got a hold of that, that's when I could walk into that hospital that day when I looked at Caitlin, tore all to pieces. And Kelly tore all to pieces. And I looked at that little girl with her head busted open all the way across here and both pelvis crushed. And they said, if she lives, she'll probably have brain damage. And it'll be two and a half to three months minimum before she can stand with a walker. Well, then I could take a promise like John 16, 23, and 24. And I want you to see this promise. This is one of the promises that God made you as an obedient child of God. Look at this. Now, it all depends. Can you believe this? Well, evidently, most people do not. John 16, 23 and 24 makes this statement. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Now, this is Jesus talking. But he says, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Yeah, 23, I didn't read it. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Is that an awesome statement? Is that an awesome statement from the king of the universe? Who did he make that to? To us. The children. Do you think he loves us? Beyond our wildest dreams. And he wrote this book with all these awesome promises. And what do we do? We don't believe him. He told us not to sin too. We don't believe him there either. So we go out and sin all we want to. Not realizing that when we sin we walk in the devil's kingdom. And that's where sickness and disease is. So you can't walk over in his camp without getting sick. You can't go over there lying, stealing, cheating, committing adultery and all the things that the flesh wants to do and not get sick. Just think. You minister to a family and the woman's sick, having trouble walking, can't get around, 30 years old. Find out her husband's been down with a prostitute. He got just a little simple disease called syphilis. He comes home and gives it to his wife. How would you like to be a wife and go to bed with your husband and he's got syphilis? And then you get it. And then you can't do anything. And then you die. Sin brings forth death. You know how to never get syphilis? Don't never have sex with nobody but your mate. The one you're married to. You don't ever have to worry about it. You won't never get syphilis having sex with your wife. If she's obedient and don't have sex with nobody but you. But with this promise right here, the obedient children that are walking in love, doing acts of loving kindness, deeds of righteousness... What did he say you could ask for? What did he say? What do we not understand about anything? 
I mean, I don't know about you, but if I got a little lady sitting there and they told me she may not live, she's going to have brain damage, and it's going to be two and a half to three months before she can walk with a walker, have to learn how to walk all over, and i got a promise like that, and I believe the king, and I believe he's the one that made the universe, I believe he's the one that says, let there be light, and light was. And 6,000 years later, we ain't even figured out how it works yet. We're still trying. But he made it. And then somebody said, well, there must have been a big bang theory. I said, yeah, there was. God says, let there be an earth. And there it was. Now, nobody was here to hear the big bang. I can't prove there was one. But he said, said, you know, I think I may be a little universe out there. Let there be a few hundred trillion stars and suns and moons and galaxies and all that. Let there be. And it was. And he sustains that all day, every day, with his mighty spoken word. You don't think he can heal your body? Well, let me tell you, with promises like that, you walk into a hospital room and you say, Jesus said. Now, what does he watch over to perform? His word. Jesus said, I can ask the Father in his name anything and he'll do it. So I walk up and say, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to heal that little head. I ask you to put that little head back together. I don't want no scars. I don't want no brain damage in there. I don't want her to get up and walk out of here in two and a half to three months. I want her to get up and walk out of here so quick that everybody will know only you could have done it. I want you to glorify yourself. So, Lord, I want to thank you. It's done. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, well, if it's God's will, maybe she'll get well in two and a half to three months. No, 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 no. He told me I could ask you anything. It is His will for her to get well. There's no nonsense here. I mean, Jesus said. But determine it's not what He meant. Then pray tell He should have wrote what He meant. If He didn't mean what He said, then He should have said what He meant. Because praise God, if He said I can ask for anything... I'm just silly enough to think he meant what he said. So, Father, in Jesus' name, do a healing on little uh, Kelly. Raise her up and do such a mighty miracle on her. Everybody will know that only you could have done it. Thank you, Lord, it's done. Guarantee she'll be out of here nothing flat. Man, you've lost your mind. That's okay. If I've lost mine, Jesus lost his too. Ain't that right? One week later when Kelly is out of ICU and one week later she's standing walking with a walker and three days later she's back in school running and playing like nothing ever happened. Ain't nobody can argue that God showed up. Did He make you a promise? Did He tell you you could stand on it? You know, you've got to learn to think like God to stand on those kind of promises. You know it. You can't think like a man. You cannot think like a man and walk in divine health. You can't think like a man, because what does a man want to do? Oh, a man wants to have three good meals a day. A man wants to come in, and he wants to get his big easy chair. After he's had a hard day's work, he wants to set it down up here, get his remote control, and say, Oh, let's see what's on TV tonight. That's a man. That's the flesh. But the Spirit says, get out of that chair and go get the Word of God and start studying it. Read the Word. Oh, but Lord, I mean, I've worked hard all day today. Okay. I'm just going to tell you one more time. Either get in there and study the Word or sit there and absorb that television and that old country and western stuff that's on your radio that you're listening to and go ahead and die early if you want to. It's your choice. Now, if you want to live like the world, 
It'll bring forth death. But Lord, I'm one of your sons. I'm in the church. I know, but you can't live in the church on Sunday and in the world six days a week and have eternal life. Immortality ain't going to work. I abolished death and brought immortality to those of mine that will die to the world and live to me. Now, you've got to spend time with me 24-7. Lord, that means I've got to give up smoking? Oh, yeah. I've got to give up dipping? Oh, yeah. I've got to give up having a, a, a beer every once in a while? Oh, yeah. Only if you want to live eternally. You know? I've got to give up thinking wrong? got to give up talking evil about people? Oh, yeah. Lord, you're too hard. That's okay. He said, I told you you could choose whichever master you wanted to. I'm not going to force you. I wrote in the Word. If you want to live and have eternal life, you're going to do it my way. If you want to have good health and long life, you're going to do it my way. If you want to die early, go ahead and live in the world. You can go ahead and be sick and afflicted and die when you want to. It's your choice. He wasn't hard to get along with, was he, Sharon? No. Not at all. Sharon over here, she knows. For, for about 50 years of her life, the first 50 years of her life, I think you're about 50, aren't you? You, you don't mind me telling how old you are, do you? Well, I guess not. You guess not? <laughs> <laughs> this lovely lady over here, I'll say that. I'll withdraw the, the age. I'll say this lovely lady over here. Two years ago, she came to a healing school, and she was a basket case. Brain tumor, I think, wasn't it, or whatever you had, and had an arm that wouldn't stay in, and a hip that wouldn't stay in, and back problems for 30 years, and and I don't know what all was wrong with you, allergies, and it had everything in the world. She was a basket case. She come up and made a statement to me like this, Thurman, I've had this back injury 30 years now, and I've been in intensive pain. And said, I've been to the doctor from one to five times a week for the last 23 years, I believe she told me, something like that. And she said, I've been prayed for at least a hundred times and nothing's ever worked. I said, well, let's go back 30 years ago and find out what kind of sin you were committing 30 years ago. So she went back 30 years ago, figured out what the sin was. I said, now you need to repent of that sin. So she did. I said, now then, what scripture have you been standing on to base your healing on? She said, well, I don't have one. I said, you see what you got? Nothing. So I said, we need to take a scripture and stand on it. So we chose one. I said, now, she said, now I've had at least a hundred people pray for me and nothing's ever happened. I said, nobody has ever prayed for you in faith. I said, young lady, today you've repented of your sins. You're calling God in remembrance of His promises. And I'm going to pray the prayer of faith for you. And I'm going to guarantee you Jesus is going to heal you. And when I touched her in the name of Jesus, what happened to you, Sharon? A miracle. Her pain was gone of 30 years. She was completely instantly healed of back pain. And then after she saw that happen, she said, that means after a while, when she got a hold of this, no back pain. She said, I don't have to have these allergies no more. I don't have to have this brain problem no more. I don't have to have these arms out of joint no more. I don't have to have my hip out of joint no more. I'm standing on the Word. Today, two years later, this beautiful lady, this young, beautiful lady stands before you. (laughs) You like that better, Roger? Stands before you completely healed with not a single problem, and she's serving God and just doing a great work for the kingdom of God. Now, two years she was a basket case. Today she's wonderfully healed of everything. 
Now, with all these things I said about true, yes, yes okay. I tried to tell that story. But I do know she was in really serious shape. But now she's perfectly healed. I mean, no more brain problems, no more arm problems, no more sinus problems, no more allergy problems, whatever she had. And the main thing was no more back pains. That was the killer. That was the thing that for 30 years she had been suffering with back pain. 23 of them really bad. And whenever she did everything God says, and I touched her by faith in the name of Jesus, the king of the universe showed up right here and healed her instantly. Two year, in fact, January, next month. Yeah, January. That's right. It was in January. Two years ago, she would have been completely healed for two years in January. Hey, you got to share them too late to tell her that Jesus don't heal no more. You know, you can't believe, you, you can't convince her because she's seen God work. You know, Terry, you got to Terry too late. I mean, she's seen it work. Her and Frank, praise God. They know it works. Now, what did Jesus say you could ask for? I mean, I mean, that's right. But now the, here's the thing. Too many people are going out there and trying to stand on these promises, but they're not walking in the God kind of love. These things only work. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 said your faith works by love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6. Now if your faith only works by love, then if the righteous are the one that get these things, are those that do deeds of loving kindness, if you want to see God answer your prayer and do great and mighty things, you're going to have to change what you're doing. Because a lot of people say, wow, I saw that promise in the Word. I'm asking God to heal Sharon. We're going to stand on that promise. And nothing happens. And nothing happens. Did she say a hundred people prayed for her? And nothing happened. That means there's something wrong with all 100 of those people that prayed for her. Why could they not have faith? Because they probably wasn't walking in the God kind of love. Now see, who knows what kind of sin... They had in their life that prevented or blocked that from working. But God knows everything. You can't fool God. I mean, some people get up and come to church. When they walk in here, they're Mr. and Miss somebody. I mean, they're just as nice as they can be. And they walk out that door and start to get in the car. And she says, don't you sit too close to me. You get over on your side. Don't you touch me. Ooh, I don't see no God kind of love in that, do you? Don't you say nothing to me. But honey, don't you say nothing to me. I didn't like the way you looked at that other woman in there a while ago. Y'all know where I'm coming from? See, you want to know why your prayers don't work? You want to know why your prayers don't work? You ain't walking in the God kind of love. Now then you're sinning. You're doing all kinds of things wrong. Now then, if you're about God's business, doing these deeds of loving kindness, walking in righteousness, he said, come and ask me as my obedient children anything, and I will do it. Did he not? Look at this promise. Turn just back to one page, or at least one page of my Bible, to John uh, 15, 7. Now, here is the requirement on this one. 
Now, this is the verse I used for Caitlin, my granddaughter, which had her brain stem severed. Her, if, in other words, the average individual walks into a hospital room and looks down at a little girl, three years old, and she's a, bl- a piece of m- a blob of flesh. Face tore all to pieces, lacerated all the bones, broke in her face, whole busted plumb through her head right here, skull crushed in five places, brain stem severed, eyes jerked loose in her brain, blood's running out her eyes, ears, nose, mouth, right knees crushed, left leg broken in two places, and every doctor's saying, I'm sorry, sir, it's over, she's a goner. What does the average Christian do? Start crying and say, oh God, where are you? Oh God, where are you? I'll tell you where he's at. He's right here, I brought him with me. I brought, he's in here. You don't have to go way up yonder to find him. You don't have to go way down yonder to find him. All you gotta do if you're a born again believer, say, hey, I brought him with me. He's in me. The kingdom of heaven is in me. So Jesus is the kingdom. So when we came here today, I, I think about Jeff one day, when Jeff come from down here, him and his wife, he was in here helping me set up chairs that Sunday. He got here real early. They're from Sherman and uh, he don't come too often, but he comes every once in a while. Well, I said, brother, you think God's going to show up here today? He said, I guarantee he's going to show up today because I brought him. <laughs> I said, oh, there's a young man that knows who he is in Christ. Yes. Guarantee. I brought him. Well, Lee, when you walk in that hospital room, you tuck him with you. He's in there. And he's the one that can do all these mighty things. Now, he said in John fifteen seven. now you see the requirements here. If you abide in me, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Amen. What's hard for God? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, after all, just think. One day he said, I believe I'll just make me a little galaxy, a universe. Let there be. And it wasn't just an earth. There was hundreds of trillions of stars and suns and moons, and it all came to be. That's kind of beyond my imagination. I can't even go there with a finite mind. I can't think a thousand million light years across. I can't think that. I mean, I can say that, but I really can't comprehend it. It's kind of hard for me to comprehend in fact, I'm going to tell you how hard it is for us to comprehend. I remember a statement my daddy told me one time when they come out with the Model T, you know, the first car. And this, they're driving around and it's got curtains on it. And then they come out with a Model A and it had glass in it. And then one day there was two old guys, probably, you know, 50 or 60, <laughs> sitting down at the courthouse square, you know, talking. Dad was a young man, 15 years old. And they said, we've got to go to the house in our car and listen to that battery-powered radio we got to hear what the weather's going to be, the news. Dad says, you know, I just feel like that one day the day's coming when you'll be able to drive down the road and listen to that radio in your car. They said, son, we might as well lock you up right now. You've already lost your mind. (laughs) Who today thinks listening to the radio in your car has lost your mind? How many of y'all got a radio in your car? Everybody's got one. Some of you got a DVD player in your car. Some of you got CD players in your car. I mean, some of you drive down the road. I mean, I, I mean, as an engineer, when I bought my 79 Chevrolet van, that was a kind of a little ahead of the DVDs and all this kind of stuff. But me being an engineer, 
I made me an inverter. I put it in my car, hooked it up where I could have DC converted to AC, and I drove down the road with two televisions and a Nintendo and a VCR hooked up in my van with switching so my kids, one of them could play the Nintendo, the other one could watch their movies, and I could put a 10-inch 10-inch TV sitting on the dash in the front of my van, and when I go through different cities, I could even reach over driving down the interstate, flip it over, and I could watch the news as I drove through town and had all that stuff in my van. People see my van. Wow, where'd you get such a van? There's all kinds of them out there now. But in 1980, there wasn't none of them like that. But I had one because I built my own. And somebody, one day, Dad and I was driving down the road, went to Austin. We were coming back home, Mother, and all of us were in the car. And we're driving down, Amanda was sitting back there playing, or, you know, some VCR watching some movie. Tim's up here with his Nintendo just doing all kinds of crazy things. We're driving down the road, Dad's sitting there watching this. He said, son, if my daddy was still alive and I told him what I see today, he said he'd think I'm nuts. Y'all understand? Today we take this stuff for granted, don't we? Because we've seen it and done it. But in 1900, if you'd have told somebody that we was going to be able, by the 1950s or 60s or 70s, you would be able to get in a jet airplane and fly from continent to continent, they said, you're crazy. But how many of y'all think? Somebody says, let's go to London. Let's go to Israel on a trip. Somebody said, all we need is money. We can go. I mean, there's a jet airplane that'll take you, right? There's a hotel you can stay in. Ain't no big deal going to nowhere no more, is there? Just think. When we start thinking like God for getting healed, will be all you got to do. All you got to do with this book, with these promises, all you got to do is start thinking like God and do what He says. I mean, He made the promises. Now, what do you think is hard for God? Nothing. That's absolutely right. Nothing. But you've got to think like him because I'm going to tell you, the average person, I will never forget when I walked in those hospital rooms and I looked down at Kelly and Caitlin, everybody around me said, we're sorry, it's over. I said, it ain't never over till God says it's over. And then when I started making declarations of what God would do, now wait a minute, Thurman, you can't tell God what to do. I said, I ain't telling God what to do. He told me what to do. I'm calling him in the remembrance of his promise. He's the one who told me to ask for anything and he'd do it. When you ask God for anything and you're walking in obedience to his word and you're an obedient son or daughter of God, you're not living in no kind of sin. You're walking in the love, that the God kind of love. He says, just come and ask me for anything and I'll do it for you. Now then, does that make you want to walk holy? It does me. I'm telling you, I loved it. I love seeing God raise up Kelly. I love seeing that little girl back in school running and playing in two and a half weeks when the doctor said, you know what the doctor said after she's running and playing in two and a half weeks? <laughs> That's it. All I got to say is God had to show up for you. I ain't never seen nothing like this. But with Kelly, I mean with Caitlin, when I told them that morning when they're getting ready to pull the tubes, See, the confession of your mouth and your heart is the most important thing you have. If you got this word renewed in your heart and it comes out of your mouth, there's no limitations of what God can do or what He will do. 
But you can never rise above your confession of the Word of God. You can never rise above your confession of the Word of God. You can rise to whatever that level is. What do you believe God can do? Well, I believe He can save my soul. Okay, no problem. Do you believe God can heal your body? Well, I know He's, I know He can heal, but I'm not sure He'll heal me. Well, then ain't no use in you ever worrying about being healed. When you get sick, you better go to a doctor. But you said, oh, Jesus is a healer. He promised in His Word to heal all of my diseases. Did He say that in yes. Psalm 103? Yes, he, did. he promised to heal all? Okay, then all I got to do is repent. Make sure whatever I did, Lord, I repent. I'll walk holy before you. I won't go out. I won't sin. I won't live in no sin. I won't talk evil about nobody. I'll do everything you say. Now, you promised to heal all of my problems. So thank you, Lord, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. But the next day, you don't look no better than you did today. The next day, you look worse than you did. And then the next day, you look worse. And a month later, you really look worse. Somebody says, well, what do you think now? Oh, I guess it don't work. You're right. It don't work. But if you say, the Word says, by His stripes I am healed. I'm walking in obedience. I'm standing on the Word. Jesus told me to ask anything in His name. Lord, thank You that this tumor is gone. That I rebuke this devil of hell. I've repented of every sin of unbelief. I'm now driving these devils out in the name of Jesus. And I'm standing on the Word. Lord, thank You that Your Word says all power is given to me over these devils. I want you to look at a couple of things here that the Lord has said in His Word. After He's made you these awesome promises, turn back to this magnificent book of Mark. And I want you to look at the last chapter of the book of Mark. And I want you to see this mighty promise that Jesus made us here. I don't understand how in the world we as Christians have taken these first two verses and built doctrines around them and don't believe the next two verses. Verse 15, Jesus said unto them, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. Now, if you want to get practiced up preaching, if you've got a puppy dog, preach to that puppy dog. He said to every creature. So, you know, preach the Word. I mean, if you're a young boy and you're trying to learn to preach, or get out there among the sheep or the ducks or whatever, you know, and preach to them. Go out to the lake. Them ducks come up there and say, I want to tell you ducks about Jesus, the Creator that made you. They'll listen. They'll listen. They want to hear it. You get out there, you'll have a captive audience. And when you get good enough, people will start coming by and stopping listening. And then you start telling them Jesus is not only the Savior, but He's a healer. And He's a deliverer. And you guarantee them in the name of Jesus. They'll come up there and get their sins repented. You'll touch them in the name of Jesus. He'll heal them. And He'll heal them. Won't He share it? Amen. He'll do it. He says that go preach to every, God, every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and, but he that believeth not shall be damned, committed to hell. And then he says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, we're supposed to be them that believe. Amen. We're not supposed to be sick. We're supposed to be walking holy and with no sin. And he's already supposed to heal to every one of us on the cross. But the church is what's sick. The church is sick. It says, because we're living in sin, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils. Most of the church don't even believe there is such thing as devils no more. 
But they're here, let me tell you. In fact, I got real tickled at a man. He was here only a few Sundays ago. And he was, there was still 30 or 40 people here, I guess. And he was standing over here somewhere, and there's a little frail lady come up here and asked me to pray for her. And I reached up and took her hand, and she was just so weak, like kind of holding a dish rag in my hand. Put my left hand upon her shoulder, and I said, tell me what's wrong with you. And she started telling me all the things that was wrong with her. I said, well, ma'am, that's just a demon. And I said, you foul spirits of infirmity, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the little woman became a raging torrent in my hand. Didn't she? Were you here, Sharon? You were here. You saw that. This little woman began to scream with a masculine voice, We're not coming out! I said, Oh, yes, you are. No! I said, Yes, you're coming out. I said, You devil of hell, come out. No, I'm not coming out! And that would blow one right out. I'd just feel the breath. If she'd blow her breath, I'd feel that beast come out of her. And then the next one, and the next one. And of course, another man run up and grabbed her on the back of the arm and behind the neck. And another man come over here and grabbed her over here. And now there's three of us men trying to hold this little frail woman that a few minutes ago, her hand's like a dish rag my hand. Now then, she's a raging torrent. Screaming at us. So everybody got to see that. In a few minutes, we finally got the little lady free. Got all them demons kicked out of her. And one of the men that was here that day, went, he goes to a Baptist church on Sunday morning. And the very next Sunday morning, he come, went to church and then he came out here that afternoon. He said, Thurman, I just went to my church this morning and my Baptist preacher just preached that Christians can't have demons. He said, I had to go up and tell him. I said, brother, I'm telling you, you got this wrong. He said, I was in another church last Sunday evening and I saw a guy that used to be a Baptist command a demon to come of a little Christian woman and I saw it take three men to hold her down before they could kick all them demons out of her and said, I didn't hear about this. I was there and seen it. Well, let me tell you, demons are our problem. They're what make us sick. They're the problem. And you get them when you sin. So when you don't sin, you can't get one. But look what Jesus said. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils or demons. Then he says you shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents or the devil. And if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. And you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You think about the promises he made you in those two verses. Number one, he says you can drive out devils. Number two, he says you can speak with new tongues. Number two, he says you can handle the devil. No fear. You can handle him. Now, don't be living in sin and try to handle him. Because he'll handle you. Guarantee he'll handle you. And then he says, and if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. Now then, just think. If any deadly poison or anything gets in your body, and how many people do you know that have had reactions to different things or whatever and even died with those things? And yet here was a promise right here that God had sent for any Christian, all they got to do is believe it by faith and stand on it. And what, what kind of deadly poison can hurt you if you believe God? What kind? None. So why don't we believe Him? The average person does not believe this book. I mean, I'm not teaching you some... I mean, you, I hope you brought your sword with you today. Your Bible say what mine does? Same thing. Same thing. A little different translation. 
And he says, and then you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now see, when he said lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, sometimes they get well instantly when you touch them. You just reach up and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Bam. She could be instantly healed. Or it might take a week or a month. Or a year and three months. Or a year and three months. Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean, don't you, Terry? A year and three months. And of course, the thing about it is, the reason God does that is because if every time one of us touched somebody in His name, He instantly healed every one of us, we would become the microwave technology. You know, I mean, you know, God, yeah, I went out and sinned and I got sick, but I know it would be okay. I can sin a little here. And if the devil does catch me, I know I can repent and God will instantly heal me so I don't have to suffer for it. He said, no, it don't work like that. It don't work like that. He said, I'll do these wonderful miracles for you. He said, you walk holy before me. And then if the devil comes upon you, I'll do these wonderful things for you. But he said, once in a while, I may just heal you instead of do a miracle on you. When we get to where after we've been healed a few times, miraculously, then we don't want no more of these healings. You know, we want a miracle, right, brother? Oh, I mean, God, he's a miracle working God. He said, yeah, but I'm God and I do it my way. You lay your hands on him, I'll heal him. But Lord, Lord, like Cheryl and her zits, you know, <laughs> she, I knew she was going to laugh. <laughs> you know, she hollers at me. I come running. She, honey, you got to pray. I, and you'd think she had a, oh, you'd think there was a giant on her. I go in there and say, what is wrong with you? She look at this. I said, what's wrong? Look at this. I said, I don't see nothing. Look at this. I said, well, take your finger off so I can see. And there's a little teeny zit on her face. You've got to pray over this. I don't want this thing. I pray over it. She looked at it. She said, pray again. It's not gone yet. <laughs> but see, God's healed her so quickly, so many times. She now wants it gone, Sharon. I don't want it there. You've got to do something. I said, honey, be patient. I don't have any patience. i got all the patience I need. I said, just trust him. Be patient. He'll heal you. But see, just think. If he does everything for us instantly every time, we get to where we expect that. And you do expect it. <laughs> yeah. Then she puts the monkey on me. You're the anointed man of God. <laughs> it's your fault that he's not doing it instantly. Holy. Oh, my goodness. What a woman, huh? You girls. Lord, this woman you gave me, it's time for me to go to the throne of grace. <laughs> oh, me. He said, son, don't worry about it. I got her under control. I'll take care of her. I'll heal her. No problem. You just pray the prayer of faith. I'll take care of my daughter. No problem. Now, he does have a way of teaching us some patience. But you've got to realize after he's done a lot of these miracles for you. I love to see him do miracles, don't you? Oh, I love those miracles. And he's done so many for us. Sharon loves it. she got an awesome one. You know, but many of you here have had miracles from God. And, and you've seen him do instantaneous things. But he don't always do that. He says, but if you lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. So whenever that devil, if you've repented of every sin, every sin, when we rebuke the Spirit... And drive that beast away. Jesus is in the process of healing you. Now then, you might be like uh, Esther. When Esther was here, she had had a tumor for 15 years. 
Her husband had prayed over that thing. He's a godly man. Ernest is a godly man. But that tumor did not go away. And whenever they came up to me that Sunday, I said, well, do you have any kind of known sin? And she did have one. And I said, well, that's what your problem is. I said, you need to repent of that little sin and get rid of that and stop doing that. And I said, then I will pray for you and the Lord will heal you. Now, she'd only had this tumor for 15 years. She repented of her sin. I prayed the prayer of faith for her. And in one week, the tumor was gone. But now I have had people that I prayed for. And three or four, five or six weeks later, it was bigger. And they say, you know, this is not working. I said, oh, yes, it was working until you said that. When you said that, it's not. But Thurman, it was getting bigger. I said, but it was working. The Lord was fighting the battle against the devil. And the battle's his. It's not mine and yours. I said, he's overcoming the devil. You just got to stand on his word. I said, he'll drive him out. All you got to do is trust him. You know how hard it is to trust God when it's your body? Oh, that's right. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. It's tough, isn't it? Yes, especially when your body's in pain. And especially when a growth's getting bigger. You know, you know, so the thing about it is, you have to realize we're in a battle with this devil. You know? You know so, but anyway, you've got to stand on these promises. In Mark 16, when Jesus said, you can cast out the devil and lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. Do you think he meant that? Do you think he meant that every time? Well, then why can't people stand on these promises and do like Dave did? I mean, whenever you come in and you cast out the devil, you pray, lay hands on for healing, and then 18 months later, 17 months later, you're still terrible, and at a year you look like and smell like death. What does most people do at that point? That's absolutely right, ma'am. They give up. This stuff don't work. This healing stuff don't work. Well, let me tell you, if God said it, it works. But it only works if you stand on it with no doubt in your heart. Now, but nobody wants to stand for a year and three months. But if you do, you get your answer, right, Terry? You got yours, didn't you? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, Jesus made the promise. Now then, you turn, since the devil is one causes all these things, under this new covenant that God gave us, turn just a little bit over to the right in Luke chapter 10. And I want you to see this awesome promise of how much power and authority the Lord has given us over the enemy. The devil is the one that puts this sickness and disease upon us. Luke ten nineteen. When you go to Luke ten nineteen, you see Jesus is talking there, and he says, Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on the devil or the serpent and his scorpions or his demons. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, or notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits or the evil spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, how do you get rid of a devil? This invisible spirit that you can't see that come into your body to make it sick and afflict you? You make sure your sins are repented of? You quote that verse and you drive them out with the Word of God. Now, does that make you feel funny? When you look at your body and you can't see nothing. 
And you say, devil, come out of me in the name of Jesus. Somebody says, oh my gosh, you have lost it. Could Jesus see them things? Can you see them? No. You can't see them. Once in a while, you can see what they do when they manifest. If you had been here Sunday afternoon just two or three weeks ago, you would have known what happens when you get to see a demon manifest in a woman. This was a little woman. Now, I've seen it in both men and women. In fact, I'll tell you another story about a demon that manifests. I was sitting right here in a chair, one of these chairs, right there, probably by 8 o'clock at night. I was still here praying for people on Sunday afternoon. had my chair sitting right there. I'm tired, so I sat on my chair, and a woman pulled a chair up right up in front of me, and she sat down facing me, and she was telling me her problem. There's only about four or five people left in the church. And I asked her what's wrong. She began to tell me all the stuff she'd been involved with. All kinds of sin. Witchcraft. She'd been tearing cards. She'd done everything wrong. <coughs> Playing in the devil's playground. She was full of demons. <laughs> I looked over at her and I said, You demons of hell, come out of her in the name of Jesus. She just looked at me. Not a thing happened. I said, How do you feel? She said, I don't feel good at all. I reached up and grabbed her by the arms. I shook her. I said, look at me, woman. She popped her head up. I said, you heard what I said, you devil of hell? I said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. That woman reared back in that chair, raised her foot up and kicked right in my crotch. She kicked that chair right there. She didn't hit me. She kicked that chair and that chair sitting right on that slick floor. It didn't move and hers went zooming back and went all the way into that curtain right yonder behind the curtain. You talk about power. My angels were sitting right there holding my chair. That's the only way my chair couldn't have moved. I mean, I can slide that chair on this floor just as easy with one hand. It never even moved. But yet hers, the retaliation, the, the repercussions when she kicked, kicked her plumb into that curtain. And of course, she's going backwards with her head out like that. And her hair's plumb out in front of her like she's in a jet airplane. I jumped up out of that chair and I started running toward her. Of course, I got over there. She's out of the chair and she's running toward me. And she said, I'm going to get you. And boy, she reached up and I grabbed her around the wrist right there. And this little woman, she started kicking me like this. Wally was here. I said, Wally, get over here and grab this woman's legs. He come over here and he grabs her legs and we throw her down on the floor. And we're, I mean, you know, normal afternoon at church. Two men flopping around the floor with a woman. I got her hands. I'm trying to hold her down. She's screaming. She's trying to bite me. She's trying to kick I'm screaming, come out of her in the name of Jesus. These devils slowly but surely, after about 10 minutes, maybe I thought 15 minutes. I said 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, you know, we were down there a little while. You know, time goes by when you're having fun, you know. I'm driving these devils out of her, and we finally get her set free. And all of a sudden, she looks at me, and she says, what are you doing on top of me down here on the floor? I said, you okay now? She said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm just, you, we had a little encounter here. She said, what am I doing in the floor? I said, you okay now? She said, I'm okay. Turn me loose. I said, okay. So I took my hands off her. And I said, Wally, turn loose of her feet. She got up and she said, what, if, what am I doing in the floor? I said, you don't remember nothing happened? She said, no. So she gets up. She's free. We walk over here. We pray over her and she goes home. There's two or three men standing right there. And I said, 
boy, that was a kind of an awesome encounter we had, wasn't it? I said, man, that was a tough 10 or 15 minutes worth of demon crunching. The guy looked at his watch and he said, 10 or 15 minutes my foot. He said, you and Wally been over on the floor with that woman for 45 minutes. 45 minutes we'd been down there with that woman with them demons. And you tell me a Christian can't have a demon? I'm telling you, I've had too many of them manifest. Now then, how much power did this book say we got over the devil? What do we not understand about all? It means all. So, whenever the devil comes up to you, now here's, let me explain to you the way the devil will come up to you. If you know that Satan has been defeated by the king, and you know that all power and all authority has been given to you over him, and he can't hurt you, then if the devil was to walk through that door right now, and if you have all your sins repented of, do you have to be afraid of him? No. No, no, no. no you can tell him where to go. Satan, go back get out of here. In the name of Jesus, you got to leave. So, but that's not the way he works. He's not going to walk through that door in a visible form. You can see. He's an invisible spirit. You know what he's going to do? Whenever you sin, he's going to put a tumor in your body. He's going to put a tumor in your arm, one in your head, one in your back, one in your leg, a pain or something. And then you're going to look at that and you're not going to realize that's a demon. So what you do is... Anytime any kind of sickness or disease comes upon you, the average Christian today never thinks about repenting of their sins and casting out the devil. What does the average Christian do when you wake up one morning and there's a big lump in your throat? What's the first thing you're going to do when you get to where you can't swallow? Call the doctor. Absolutely go to the doctor. <laughs> Whoever thinks about repenting of sin? Well, I mean, but Lord, I mean, I've been had surgery on my vocal cords two times. And now then, I can't hardly talk, and they're going to have to cut them out again. Now, what kind of sin could do something like that? Who ever think about your husband? You're the wife, and you've had two surgeries. And your husband? We had an experience like this with a couple, a pastor and his wife. He's preaching the Word of God in an Assembly of God church. She's had surgery twice on her vocal cords. And now then, the problems come back and they're going to have to do it the third time. This time they're going to take out her vocal cords and she ain't going to be able to talk at all. So the Assemblies of God have donated $5,000 toward this $15,000 surgery. And they got the Word of God. Isn't that a shame? That's a shame. So Cheryl and I go down there and we're going to preach at his church and when we find out the situation, Cheryl gets to talking with this woman. And coming, we come to find out that by the next day, whenever we get in our little hotel room with them and get to talking, that they've raised four boys and she's become a domineering mother. Tells boys what to do. Well, all of a sudden, daddy is a boy. You know, and so we're driving down the road and she's, oh, honey, you got to turn right up here. He said, I know it. Oh, you need to get over in the right lane. Okay. Slow down a little bit. You're getting too close to the car in front of you. He said, woman, I'm driving. I know what I'm doing. Up, oh, watch out. Watch out. Watch this. Up, oh, turn right here. Watch that light. It's turned yellow. You, you can't stop. And all of a sudden he says, woman, it's your mouth. Will you please shut up and let me drive? And he spoke a curse over her. And that's what was happening in this family. 
We got both of them to repent. We prayed the prayer of faith over them. This woman could barely talk. And God healed that woman by nightfall that night. She sang with Cheryl and hit every high note. Is that awesome or is that awesome? We don't have any idea that you as the husband, a pastor, could speak a curse over his own wife and she have surgery two times on her vocal cords because he constantly, because she with her mouth is telling him how to drive. She's telling him how to do everything. And what is she to do? Tell him how to do things or is she supposed to be subject to him? She's supposed to be subject to him. He says, my dear, I'm driving. Would you please keep your mouth shut? You know what she's supposed to do? She's supposed to keep her mouth shut. Now, is that hard for some women to do? Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. I asked her the question. I said, does he ever go anywhere by himself? Well, she said, yes. I said, does he usually get home without a wreck? She said, well, yes. I said, why don't you let him drive all the time? Why don't you just sit back and enjoy letting your husband be your husband and stop trying to control him as a boy like you did your four boys? I said, he's not one of the boys. He's your husband. And you're to be subject to him in all things. I said, don't drive him until his blood pressure gets to here and then he blows up. That's what she was doing. You know, constantly. You know, some women... Some of you women right here may have the same problem with your own husband. You may try to tell him what to do all the time. All the time. Hey, that's not the way. If you want to have a happy marriage, you can't have one. You can't stay in health and do what God told you not to do. So, if you'll do what God says, though, the beautiful part about God is, if you repent and turn from your wicked ways, He will restore you. Isn't that the good part? He will restore you. And I'm thinking, let me see if this verse, I can find this verse. I'm going to see. I think it's in Jeremiah 30. But let me see this before I tell you what verse it is. See if I can find it. Uh, yeah, Jeremiah 30, 17. For I will restore health unto you. And I will heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, where no man seeketh after. For I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord. Now, he remembers that we are but dust. He remembers we are but flesh and blood. And he is not. He's a spirit. So when we repent of our sins, if we call upon Him and stand on this promise, He promises right here, I will restore health unto you and I will heal you of your wounds, saith the Lord. Is that a pretty awesome promise? Did God promise to heal you? Did He promise to restore you? If you stand on His Word with no doubt, what has He got to do? What he said. How long is it going to take? I don't know. I mean, I love it when God does instantaneous miracles. And sometimes he does them. But like Terry said, her, her miracle took a year and three months. Dave Rosenfels took a year and six months. I have seen many people, I mean like Sharon. Sharon got her back problem immediately. 
But some of the other problems took a little while. God didn't heal her of everything instantly. But he did heal her back problem instantly. Because she'd had it so long, I guess. But I don't know. But all I know is the Word of God, He guarantees to heal you. I mean, if you cast out the devil, first of all, you've got to repent. You've got to renew your mind with the Word of God. And you've got to believe that He is who He says He is, and that He will do what He says He will do. You have to renew your mind to this. And then in those magnificent promises over there we quoted a while ago in John, when we went to all those places, let's go one more to those in John, while we're over at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 14, 13, and 14. And while we're on that page of John 14, look at John 13, 34. Look at that new commandment. Under the new covenant, he gave us one new commandment. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now, that's the, that's the deeds of loving kindness that he demands that we do to one another, that we walk in this love. And then he says, if you keep this commandment, if you will do what I say, that if you'll love one another, then as he goes on in John 14, 13, 14, and then he says, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Is that an awesome statement from the king of the universe? What do you think he's capable of doing? The one that spoke the cosmos into existence and made everything. The one that took two microscopic cells that you can't even see and put the two of them together inside of a womb of a woman and they multiplied and became two, four, eight, sixteen. And nine months later, you came out. A living, breathing being in a sack of water that's never taken a breath in your life. And the very minute you came out and that water broke, you became a totally different person. You no longer eat through your stomach directly, but you breathe out of your mouth and eat through your mouth. And everything changes within your body instantly when you come out of that womb. And God did all that? I mean, is He beyond our wildest dreams? I mean, beyond our wildest dreams. And we just take this for granted. We just take it for granted. You ever stop to think that inside of a mother's womb, when the baby eats, it never goes to the bathroom out of its bowels, out of its brilliant? Never? It goes in and out through that little tube in his tummy. But the minute they come out and they cut that little tummy, now this works back here. Isn't that amazing? They kind of blow you away. And you're sitting there and you're... Your mouth is open and you're in a sack of water, but you ain't sucking nothing in. Not sucking a thing in. But the very minute you come out, you're screaming and you're sucking air in and you're breathing. And God made all that. You think He can't heal your body? He can do anything, but He made us all these awesome promises to tell you to stand on my word. But He said they'll only work for you if you walk in this new covenant of love. Walk in life, then ask me for anything and I'll do it. Then, let's, let's go over here to a little further. 
Let's go over here to uh, a little further deep into the New Testament. Let's go over to James. I want to show you some of the things he said in the book of James, right after the book of Hebrews. James chapter 1, to start off with, I want to show you one of these awesome statements in James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, and I'll give you a couple of seconds to get there. James chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he clearly says, When you ask, you must ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Well, maybe, Lord, I could doubt just a little. No, he's not a doubting God. He's not a wavering God. He says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. That's what he means. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And look at verse 7. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. You're a double-minded man and you're unstable in all your ways. So when you come to God and ask Him for something, you better know what His will is before you ask. Now then, if you ask in faith, well, let me turn just a few more pages to the right to James chapter 5. And I want to show you a guarantee in God's Word to heal anybody in the church. <clears throat> guarantee. This is God talking now. The Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. James 5.14, he says, is any sick among you. Now, who does that include? Anybody that needs to be healed. That don't make no difference. If you're a child of God, it makes no difference what your nationality is. makes no difference what your color is. makes no difference nothing. God loves every one of us the same. No difference in God. He made us all. Is any sick among you? Then let him or her call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, now not the prayer of unbelief, but the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was sick and I needed to be prayed for, I would find me some elders that believe this book. You've got to find them. That's right, brother. You've got to find them. There ain't many of them out there. I mean, I went down to a Catholic church just north of Houston about five years ago. And taught the Word of God. Maybe it's longer than that. Six, seven years ago. And that Catholic priest, he believed, he thought God's Word. And I went down there and taught in that church for about four hours one afternoon. And after church was over, we were going to pray for anybody that needed to be prayed for. And he came up first. He said, Brother, we believe in healing in this church. We have prayed and anointed no telling how many people in this place, right here where you're standing. And we have never seen God heal one single person. And now I know why. I said, why? He said, because every time I prayed that prayer, and anointed him with all, I said, now God, if it be your will, 
And he said, I never saw God heal, not once, one single person. I said, so today we're going to anoint him at all, and what are we going to say? He was, we're going to say, thank you, Lord, for healing everybody that comes forth in the name of Jesus. And guess what God started doing for him? He started healing them. He started healing them. Well, let me tell you, the very first man that I ever saw do this was 1986, and he had stage 4 lymphoma, terminal cancer in every organ of his body. And I heard about it, and I went to the hospital room to see him, and when his wife told me that he had stage 4 lymphoma and he only had a few weeks to live on the earth, the Lord spoke to me. I heard his voice and said, Son, tell Ed to call the men of the church to pray over him, and I will heal him. Well, I was a Southern Baptist deacon and Sunday school teacher at that time, and I had never seen anything or I had never been taught the Word of God like it's written in my life. I went home that night. In fact, this is where I was with God, the one that created the universe and everything else. I walked down the corridor that night after he spoke to me and told me, Son, have Ed to call him into the church to pray over him and I'll heal him. I walked down the corridor after I left and I looked up and I said, God, you didn't hear what she said. She said he has stage 4 lymphoma terminal cancer. He's going to die. Now see, my God, I had him in a box about maybe this big square. Isn't that terrible? God, you didn't hear what she said? Give me a break. God's not hard of hearing. He hears very well. He knows every, even he reads the thoughts and intents of our hearts before we even say it. He knows what's going on. And I'm saying, God, you didn't hear what she said. But that's how big my God was. I'd been raised up in a Baptist church. It didn't teach me nothing about who God really was. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So anyway, I went home that night and I found this verse. When I found that verse, I thought, wow, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins, the, the, the Lord, I mean, they'll even forgive the sin. Man, you can't be in a deal like this. This covers it all. I said, goodness gracious, the Lord. I go back to that hospital a couple, three or four days later, and I go in and see that guy. He's back in the hospital. I said, Ed, I said, look what I found. Actually, it was next Sunday morning when I went to him the first time. He was at home. I went to his house and I said, Ed, look what I found in the Word. Is any sick among you? You know what he said? I want God's will to be done, but I don't know what it is. How many of you know this book is God's will? That's what he wrote the last will and testament for. And that's what he died for it and then rose again to watch over to make sure it's performed. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. And he watches over this Word to perform this word. So, if you believe it in faith, what does he have to do? If you believe with no doubt in your heart, what does God have to do if you stand on his word with no doubt? That's absolutely right, man. He has to. He promises. People say, you can't tell me what God's going to do. I said, from that written word, and he can't lie, and he's made himself, that is Jesus. I can tell you exactly what the king will do. He said He will do it. He said, if you believe by faith, I will heal you. If you don't believe by faith, I will not heal you. 
He said, now, don't go out there and play in that devil's world because it'll bring forth death. And too many people are out there playing in the devil's world. Look at this. I mean, from that statement right there, just turn over to Second Peter while we're right there at Peter. I want you to see this absolute awesome promise. Verse 2 in Second Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How's it going to be, uh, how is it going to be multiplied to you? Knowledge. Through the knowledge of the Word of God. So if you don't read the Word, you're not going to be able to get this. That, <clears throat> well, let me read verse 1 in that too. That's such an awesome. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of Savior and of our Savior Jesus Christ. To them that have obtained like precious faith. What kind of faith did Peter have? Did he have precious faith? Did Peter walk up to the guy at the gate beautiful that day at the temple and the guy had never walked and he said, Alms, 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 I need some money. Peter said, I ain't got no money. I don't have no silver, I don't have no gold, but I got something better than silver and gold. He said, what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And that guy looked up at him and said, do what? I can just see Peter reach down and grab him by the hand. He said, I told you, I'm not going to put no money in your hand, but I'm going to take over your hand. He said, I'm going to jerk that demon right out of you. Get up in the name of Jesus and walk. And that man jumped up leaping and praising God. He jerked that demon right out of him. That demon left and that man was set free. And he was running and playing because Peter knew what God had done. And here he's telling us what he's done. To them that have obtained like precious faith. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. How do we get that knowledge? Read the Word. According as His divine power has given unto us a few things. Oh, there's that word all again. He's given unto us what? All things. Brother, did you say all things? Well, all things that do what? All things that pertain to life and godliness. As there's that eternal life, long life again, right? He's given us everything we need to have life and godliness. Then he says, Through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. Through the knowledge. How are you going to get this knowledge? Read the Word. Study it. Meditate on it. Think on it. You can't read this book like a novel. You don't come home one afternoon and say, What have you been doing today? Well, man, I read First Peter, Second Peter, First and Second Peter. How long did it take you? Five minutes. You didn't get nothing. What have you been doing? Well, I've been in there meditating on chapter 1 of Second Peter. How long have you been working on it? Four hours. One chapter. You've got to be out of your mind. You're a slow reader. No, I'm letting the Holy Spirit reveal and talk to me through that chapter. According as His divine power has given unto me all things pertain unto life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. What? They're exceeding great and precious promises are given to us, the children of God, that by these exceeding great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Whoa! Is there any sickness and disease in the divine nature? None whatsoever. Is there any death in the divine nature? We're going to be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I mean, that's good news. You see, you've got to meditate on it. You can't read that like a novel and get that out of it, can you? You've got to think on that a little while. Wow. And then he goes on to say, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Moral excellence is what he's talking about there. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. You see that, honey bunny? (laughs) We all need patience, don't we? Yes, we all need patience. And to knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness. You got to start walking like God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. There again, those deeds of loving kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Love. Verse 8. For if, uh oh. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So if you act like the devil, you forgot you're a child of God. If you're out there lying, stealing, cheating, stealing, committing adultery, fornication, all the stuff that the flesh wants to do, and you're a child of God, you forgot who you are. You don't have a clue. You can overcome anything. Somebody says, but I just can't. I just can't not smoke them cigarettes. Oh yeah, you can. You have power over them things. All you got to do is throw them away. But I just got to have that beer every afternoon when I get home. No, you don't have to have that beast. Oh, I just got to have that Dr. Pepper every day. No, you don't have to. I was really, really, really pleased at Cheryl the other day. Somebody gave her a Dr. Pepper. I don't know where she was. She brought it out there and she had this can and she said, Do you want this? I said, no, I've stopped drinking them. She threw it away. I thought, wow, has my woman changed? She threw away a Dr. Pepper. Woo! But there's hope for all of us, right? Amen. Amen. All of us can be changed. You know, how can you be changed? By the knowledge of the Word. Now, Jesus promised to heal you. All these places. And promised that you can become a partaker of the divine nature. Then, one last place. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Listen to what Paul's writing here. In verse 2. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with some spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Oh, how many? Well, no, we can't. That can't be true. I mean, we could, if this was true, we'd be doing things different if that was really true. Isn't that amazing? So he wrote it, but we don't believe it, do we? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What did King cut you short with? What did He not give you as a son or a daughter? What did He give you? Everything. The world is yours. Life is yours. Health is yours. Everything belongs to you. Death has already been abolished. And immortality has come to be. And you know, in fact, I told my church when I first preached that a few Sundays ago, some of you have already heard the tape. I told them, I said, next Sunday, I'm going to do exactly what Hebrews chapter 5 says. I said, so I want you to be ready. Now, I'm going to, I'm, 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 I didn't tell you a story, but I am going to read one more verse. Hebrews 5 makes this statement. Verse 12, it says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the Word of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. But everyone that uses milk is unskilled in the Word of righteousness, for he is a babe. For strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And when you get to where you can discern good and evil, you're beginning to get there. And then chapter 6, he says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, let us go on unto perfection or maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of the baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permits. Now then, I told my church, I said, next Sunday I'm going to take those of you that's ready, I'm going to give you a T-bone steak. But I said, some of you is going to chew on that T-bone steak till it gets so big you ain't going to be able to swallow it. Some of you will swallow it. But some of you won't be able to go there. But I said, I've been teaching you the basic doctrines of Christ about how to get healed, how to walk in divine health. This is the basic principles. But I said, I'm going to take you on to a place of meat. And I took them to a place of meat. And I taught them some principles that God says in His Word. And I had some of the people come up and tell me, I can't go there with you. I don't believe it means that. Okay? That's why I told you. Some of you are not going to be able to chew on this T-bone steak. It's going to become so tough in your mouth, you ain't going to be able to believe it. Well, just like healing. 
Jesus has healed every one of us on the cross 2,000 years ago and paid the total price. And some will never, never believe that. Some will go out here saying, oh, if it's God's will, I hope I get healed when He prays for me. I guarantee it will not work for you. God is a faith God. He demands you repent and demands you believe what He's done and what He's paid for already. And when you believe it and then stand on His Word, He will restore you. And when I stood on God's Word with no compromise whatsoever and watched Him bring a little three-year-old girl that had her brain stem severed, her head crushed in five places, her eyes jerked out of her brain, bones broke all over her face, lacerated and tore all to pieces, and her chest tore up, her right knee crushed, her left leg broken in two places. Without one single surgery, I saw God bring her back to life and completely connect everything back. And today she's the fastest girl in the second grade. We got a, we got a letter from the school the other day. They'd been racing. And um, Caitlin had been racing with the girls. And she was the fastest girl in her class. And yet... Four years ago, she was laying on her deathbed and a doctor with her brain stem severed. She can't live. There's not anything to tell her to move or anything. Now, did this happen overnight? No. It did not happen overnight. I had to bring her home. When I carried her out of that hospital to bring her home, the doctor said, take a wheelchair. I said, no. He said, take a wheelchair. We'll have her a motorized one built. She'll never walk a step in her life. I said, I will never set her in a wheelchair. I brought her home and set her up in that bed and took the Word of God. And I said, Jesus, you said. I started quoting the Word. I said, now I command her body to be strong and set up and to walk and to run and play and everything in the name of Jesus. And I'd turn her loose and she'd fall over. I'd pick her back up, pick that little body up. And I'd say, in the name of Jesus, I picked that little body up and I command that little body to be strong and set up in Jesus' name. And I'd turn her loose and she'd plop down in the bed again. Did I give up? No, when I was teaching my kids to walk, when I picked them up and said, walk, they didn't run. They took a step and fell down. I picked them up and said, try it again, son. One more step and he falls down. First thing I know, he's taking two steps. And then three, and then four, and then he's running. I didn't give up. That's what you've got to get to where you can stand on the Word of God, right? Amen. One year and three months later, you got your miracle. Praise God. When you have somebody like Terry here that stood on the Word and got her miracle. When you've seen all these people that have stood on God's Word. Now, I love it when Sharon, like the one that Sharon sat in there a while ago, when she, we prayed for her, her back was instantly healed. I love that. When I prayed for Cheryl, several things I prayed for have been instantly healed. I mean, you, you take the very first date we ever had, I got to play with her legs. <laughs> You knew I was in trouble, did you? Let me tell you, the very first date we went on after God had told us to get married, we were sitting out in a car and I was talking to her. And all of a sudden, she, it was late in the morning, she cranked the car up. I said, honey, what's wrong? She said, my, my, in fact, I don't think I even called her honey, although I'd already asked her to marry me. I don't think, I just said, what's wrong with you? And she said, uh, my feet and legs are cold. I said, well, it's May, it's not cold. I said, how long have you had this problem? She said, all my life. I said, you want to stay like that? She said, what do you mean? And here she's a Christian woman, loves God, comes to church. She's seen the healing power of Jesus. But see, Peter said, by these great and precious promises, you shall become partakers of the divine nature. Do you think God has cold feet, Terry? No, I don't think so either. So I said, 
You, I said, what? She said, oh yeah, you know, my feet are cold, my legs are cold, but that's just, I've been like this all my life. I said, well, you want to stay like that? Well, no, but what can we do? I said, well, Jesus made us these great and precious promises. Turn over in your Bible to Matthew eighteen nineteen and read the great and precious promise I read to her that night. I quoted Matthew eighteen nineteen where Jesus said, Again, I tell you the truth, if two of you on earth shall agree about anything you shall ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. Did He say that in Matthew eighteen nineteen? If Jesus made that promise and you're walking in the God kind of love, what do you think I can get with that? Anything. I told her, I said, you don't want to stay like that? She said, well, no. I said, well, why don't you just turn around there and take your shoes off and kick your feet over that console and let me have your feet and legs. So she kicked, she turned around there and kicked her legs and feet over the console. And I reached up and I took her knees right at her knees and I began to go down her knees and I'm caressing her legs and I'm saying, Father, in the name of Jesus, you made me a promise in Matthew eighteen nineteen. Now I rebuke these spirits that have blocked the blood flow in Cheryl's legs and ask your father to open all the arteries and veins in her legs all the way down in her feet. And her feet were just cold as they could be. I said, and let them be perfectly open and let the blood to flow where her legs would be perfectly warm. In Jesus' name. I said, thank you, Lord, for doing it. I said, Cheryl, do you agree with this prayer? She said, well, I most certainly do. I said, well, thank the Father for healing you. She looked up and said, Lord, thank you. And bam, her legs got warm in my hands, just like that. She has never had cold legs and feet again. See, isn't that awesome? You think the king was there in that car? Since I knew the king was there in that car, you think I was going to take, make sure I was watching what I was doing where I was touching her? Guarantee. The king was there. You know, he's always there. And he always knows what you're doing. That's why you've got to be careful what you're doing. The king is there. But I'm telling you, he was there because by me rubbing her legs from her knees down and him instantly opening the arteries and the veins, she got an instantaneous healing from God. And from that time to this, a woman that told me used to, that in fashion in the wintertime, had turned the heat up real high and she still slept in double socks and flannel pajamas to keep her legs and her feet warm. She don't have to do that no more. Not at all. You know, they just stay warm. Wow. Now then, because of these great and precious promises, God gave us these so we can become partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that awesome? So when you learn to do things God's way, do you have to be sick and afflicted? No. But you've got to start thinking like God. You've got to read the Word. You've got to meditate on the Word. You've got to think on the Word. And when you do, then you can pray those prayers of faith. And when you do, when you really believe it, God knows... And the devil knows, and you know, whether you believe this or not, or whether this is just something you're working at. It, it, good news, brother, when you know you start praying for your lovely bride, and God can, if you're walking holy, He'll do anything you ask Him for. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. But not only just for your bride, He'll do anything the two of you agree on, you know, that, that'll bring glory and honor to His name. All you got to do is stand on His Word, right? Amen. And everything's written in the Word of God. Wow. Is he an awesome God? Okay, he is an awesome God. Okay, what we're going to do, I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And then anybody that needs to be healed, number one, if you came here today needing healing, you need to make sure before you come up here, you and God have got your sins repented of. You know, he is the healer, not me. 
He's the healer. So from wherever you are in your seat or wherever you are, or whatever, wherever you need to go, you need to get right with God. If you've got an unforgiveness toward anybody, you need to get rid of that. If you've got a grudge against your wife or your husband, you've got to get rid of that. Because if you don't repent of your sins, you will not get healed. That's what makes you sick. That's why you're sick and that's why you're afflicted because of some kind of sin. So you get rid of every sin, every known or unknown sin, any kind of unforgiveness, any kind of talking evil about people, any kind of gossip, anything. Repent and tell God you'll stop doing these silly things and you'll start walking in the God kind of love and start doing deeds of loving kindness to everyone that you come in contact with. That's the God kind of love. When you'll do that, then if you come up, and then if you'll take a scripture, once you repent it, does He forgive you? Yeah. Does He? Sure He does. He guarantees it. First John 1 John 1.9, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sins and restore you to fellowship. Sure He will. And once He forgives you, then you come up, then you come up with a verse or a promise. One of these mighty, precious promises we've been talking about today. Take any one of them you want to and come up here and we will pray the prayer of faith over you. We'll anoint you with oil or we'll do whatever you want to do and we'll pray the prayer of faith. And did God guarantee to heal you? Sure He did. Did He guarantee to heal you instantly? No. Some may get it instantly, but He guaranteed to heal all of you. It's His will to heal all of His children. But you've got to stand on these promises and walk holy in obedience to His Word. And if you will, He will heal you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank You and praise You, Lord, for this beautiful day. I thank You and praise You for all the wonderful things You do. I thank You for Your Word, which is forever settled in heaven, which cannot be broken. Lord, that's one thing about the Word of God. It cannot be modified. It can't be edited. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are the only thing on this earth that are in the cosmos that never changes. But Lord, you never change. And I'm grateful for that. That way I don't have to keep up with all the revisions. Thank you, Father, for being the healer, the Savior, the deliverer, the provider. And thank you, Lord, for your promises which you said no matter how many promises you made in your word. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, you said, Every promise you made if we're in Christ is yes to your obedient children every time. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Father, for saving us and healing us and making us whole. And giving us all power over the enemy in the name of Jesus. Now, Lord... Thank you for this day. Thank you for healing your people. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for healing my lovely wife, Cheryl. Thank you for keeping us well. Thank you, Lord, for letting us walk with you and knowing you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, thank you. We just praise you and worship you now as we pray for your people. May you bless them all. In Jesus' name, amen.